across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's six o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines report says palliative care system needs a major overhaul. SNP leader would back Labour and MK Dons maintain their challenge for automatic promotion. BBC Three Counties Radio. A report says more than 100,000 people every year in the UK don't get the care and support they need towards the end of their lives. Researchers say the palliative care system needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. Dr Adrian Tuckman is from the charity Marie Curie which commissioned the research. Medical advances are enabling people to live longer, but people don't always live longer well. As people age, they have multiple medical problems and therefore their conditions are quite complex. Healthcare systems are not modelled in the correct way to manage the complexity that has to be dealt with now. Ed Miliband will promise to abolish the non-domicile tax status if Labour wins power at the general election. People who are non-doms pay tax on money earned abroad only if it's brought into the UK or they pay a minimum charge of £30,000. Elsewhere, the Conservatives have promised to introduce resits for pupils who get poor results in their SAT tests at the end of primary school. And the SNP leader has offered to help Ed Miliband become Prime Minister. Nicola Sturgeon was speaking in a TV debate last Last night between party leaders in Scotland. The polls say people don't want a majority Labour government because they know the last majority Labour government didn't deliver. I don't want David Cameron to be Prime Minister. I'm offering, no, I'm offering a, to help. I'm offering to help me. Air passengers at London Luton Airport have been warned to expect disruption because of a strike by air traffic controllers in France. Luton-based EasyJet is cancelling nearly 120 flights today. A white police officer in South Carolina has been charged with murdering a black man who appeared to be running away from him. A video shot by a witness in the city of Charleston prompted the authorities to take action. People living on a mobile home park in Hertfordshire say they're fed up with still not being able to get problems on the site resolved. The residents of Newlands Park near Abbots Langley say it's been over a year since the bases of some of the homes were reported as cracked to the owners. More from Tony Fisher. The residents also want action over possible water leaks, access to bills and a way of communicating with the owners which isn't via their lawyers. They add trees are not maintained and are dangerously overhanging some of the homes. BBC Three Counties has been unable to speak to the owners via their lawyers and Three Rivers District Council says the lack of communication is not within the remit of the licence and therefore they can't comment. In sport, two goals in the opening five minutes from striker Will Grigg gave MK Dons a 2-0 win over Scunthorpe at Stadium MK. The win leaves Carl Robinson's side five points behind second-place Preston in the race for automatic promotion. Every time we play, first thing, what, Preston, 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 Preston. And I'm not going to hide that from anybody. It's, it's true, we're... All we care about was we're focused on Preston. The weather, another dry and warm day with plenty of sunshine, a maximum temperature 17 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Is it that Scouse Man show? He's on it. He's on more than me. Seriously, I don't even know who he is because I don't listen to the sport. show today, I mean, um, so busy, it's the same as every other day. Catherine joins me uh, next door. Yeah. And uh, Kelly Betts is also there. Hello. It's a shame. Huh? Huh? Say, say, say. 
across Ben's hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's have a bit of this. The UK's end-of-life care system needs a major overhaul. That's according to a report commissioned by the charity Mary Curie. It says there are widespread inequalities in palliative care, suggesting those that uh, those with non-cancer conditions are receiving considerably less than those with cancer. Well, Professor Martin Knapp is the London School of Economics Personal Social Services Research Unit Director and is behind the research. It's a long title, Martin. It is a long title. I'm sorry about that. That's from the morning. Please don't apologise. I'm glad I managed to get through it. Uh, what kind of inequalities did you find? Well, I mean, as, as you said just now, that people who do not have cancer, people who are dying of other conditions, seem to get less access to specialist palliative care and less good support from generalist care like GPs and district nurses. It's also the very old uh, people aged over 85 who seem to do less well in terms of getting that support. Uh, people living in more deprived areas, uh, people from minority ethnic groups. It's those sorts of people that seem to be uh, doing less well out of this system. Why is that, do you think? 
Um, I think partly it's just that in the area of cancer care, we've had charities like Marie Curie, for example, who've done fantastically well in, in getting resources to support people. We haven't had the same push, the same emphasis in the non-cancer areas, I think. Uh, so that's one of the reasons. How, and how did you go about uh, finding these, uh, getting these results, these findings? Well, what we did, we, we looked at uh, all the evidence we could possibly find that people have produced before. Uh, we also analysed some data that the government collect data uh, from people who have been bereaved about the person who died uh, and some months after they've died to ask about that experience of dying. Uh, and that's really quite rich data and that's mm. the main source of this information. And, and what, what kind of differences are we talking about? Are we talking about the medication? Are we talking about the home visits? Are we talking about the hospice treatment? What, or is it everything? Uh, all of those. I mean, it's just that uh, people who are losing out or relatively losing out are not getting the same access to pain relief. They're more likely to die in hospital than at home, mm. where most people would prefer to die. They're not getting the same access to the specialist palliative care nurses, for example. So there's a whole range of things where disadvantage is occurring. What needs to be done? Well, um, yes, we need to spend more money, um, but uh, I think in this case, quite often, if you do spend more money on these specialist services or on training GPs, you will save money elsewhere because most people don't want to die in hospital, so if you can allow them to die in their own home, then you're also releasing hospital bed for somebody else. So it's not, it's not you know, a particularly complicated uh, response. And what difference do you think it makes to, uh, A, the patient, and uh, B, the, the family, uh, uh, for someone to die at home as a opposed to a hospital? I think it's where most people prefer to die. It's where they've lived. It's where they can be with their loved ones. It's where the environment is more peaceful. Lots and lots of reasons uh, for that preference. Martin, I appreciate your, you, you speaking to us at this ridiculous time in the morning. Thank you very much indeed. That's Professor Martin Knapp, who's uh, uh, behind the research. We can speak to uh, Clive Goodson, um, who is the senior... Everyone's got such long titles this morning, Clive. What's going on? Hang on, give me, let me have a, have a run-up. The Senior Locality Manager for the East of England Ambulance Service in North Bedfordshire. And breathe. Yeah, uh, good morning, Ian. Morning, Clive. You're right. Uh, you know, you, you guys, uh, you get extra specialist training, don't you, which, which allows more people to remain at home for palliative care. Yeah, we've just started this in, Bedford, in Bedfordshire, Ian. Um, it's to do with the scheme that we have in Bedfordshire, uh, the Partnership for Excellence in Palliative Support. Um, we've joined in with our commissioning body at Bedford, and this is just extra training for our staff so they can help uh, patients in their, in their last days. So it's what, been very successful. What kind of training do they have? What, what sort of stuff are, are people being taught? Um, they've just been taught um, more to do with the, the drugs that will be used in end of life to make uh, life a lot easier for the patients, um, that how uh, that they can speak to the, the relatives, spending more time with the patients. Um, and it has been quite successful. We started the scheme uh, for us in the ambulance service um, this year, uh, just after January. We've got um, about 30% of our staff through the training and the registered people to the palliative care scheme has now gone up uh, due to that. So, and keeping more people at home, um, like uh, the speaker said before. Well, and what do you think about this research that says basically uh, people with non-cancer conditions are, are, are getting less treatment, uh, less support than those with cancer? People from ethnic min minorities and elderly people are also getting less than other groups. Yeah, um, it's, it's very too difficult to uh, talk about his report. Obviously, I can talk about what we do in Bedfordshire, that anyone um, who's been uh, diagnosed, unfortunately, with um, 
who needs palliative care, if it's cancer or it's not cancer, goes through this scheme. Um, as long as you're registered with a GP mm. um, in, our, in, our, in our area, we'll make sure that you get put through to that scheme. And that's one thing, using our ambulance crews, the um, people registered the scheme has gone up because our crews are now referring people straight to the scheme. So it, it doesn't matter if you've got cancer or any illness, we want people to get the best palliative care possible, which we believe this scheme is doing. It's like a one-stop shop, Ian, for, for, the, for people on the scheme. They can ring, they can get all, all the help that they can, and that is through the specialist, through um, uh, Sue Ryder at Moggerhanger. Is it not depressing, Clive, working, you know, I know, not, I know it's not all of the job, but working with so many people that are dying? Yeah, it can be, Ian. How do, how do you I... lot deal with it? Um, I think if our crews can walk away at the end of the day and they've done their best and made those last few days for the patient, for the families better, that's where we, our crews can, can get some help from it and they feel a lot better themselves. Yeah. So, um, yes, it's not all about trauma for us. It is trying to do that support. And I think our crews can... I know since the scheme started that the crews have felt a lot better about it, that they feel that they are trying to give in something back to the community. So I think that's how we would do it, Ian. Clive, keep up the excellent work. Thank you very much indeed. That's Clive Goodson from the East of England Ambulance Service, 08459 455555. Morning, girls. You're going to say you're both looking pretty hot today, ladies. That's one for you, Catherine. That's one for you, Kelly. Ooh, and there's a thumbs up for both of you. Great. Really makes these early mornings a little bit easier for me having a bit of eye candy to look at through so, the glass while I'm doing the radio. You girls really have put a bit of effort in today. Tight jeans, Kelly. Short dress, Catherine. A little bit of slap on both faces. Wouldn't go amiss. Never mind, maybe tomorrow. So when but are you going to have a wash? Sorry? When are you going to have a wash? Well, as the fella said to me in uh, Selfridges yesterday when I was buying a pair of jeans, he said, uh, what do you do for a living? was buying jeans. None of your flipping business, mate, but I'll tell you. Did you ask him what he did for a living? <laughs> he, I said, I work in radio. And he said, quote, oh, that's why you dress like that then. <gasps> I mean, and he went, I mean, um, I, I see a lot of people in suits. Oh, Sonny Jim. I went in and I said, right, I want to buy some jeans. I was on a mercy dash. It means you're in and out. No messing around. I had a voucher. And I said, I want some jeans. I'm a dad. I want some dad jeans, but not too Tony Blair. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean by the Tony Blair? Of course, yeah. And he gave, well, he gave me, he, he said, I, I'll, I'll see you away from these jeans. They're not in fashion. I said, don't steer me away from anything, sunshine. Let me try those on. They, I tried on for the first and last time in my life, skinny fit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How did they work for you? <laughs> for a second, I thought, they felt very supportive. They're yeah. very, they felt supportive. They yeah. felt like medical, a medical trust. Yes. <laughs> and for a second, I thought, oh, I look all right at these. And then I was back in the room and I realised I look absolutely ridiculous. Talk to Justin about the after effect of a, of a too skinny jean. Why? What, what, can he not have children now? What is that? I don't know what that gesture means, the coffee gesture. Well, it's a bit like, you know, um, jogger's nipple? Yeah. Is his winkle falling off? Oh, Justin, mate. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the north 
orbital road that's starting to look busy on the speed sensors around the M25 junction 21A roundabout. But looking at the M25, it's moving fine through uh, from Watford and High Wycombe, but a bit further afield at junction 26 for Wortham Abbey, a lorry's broken down and it's blocking a lane. On the trains, the Metropolitan Line has severe delays because of a signalling problem at Harrow on the Hill, and Luton Airport is saying there's disruptions to flights to and from France because of strike action. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. It's Sammy. Yeah. Where do you stand on uh, skinny jeans? Um, what the? Uh, they for girls, really? Yeah. Well, I don't see. I don't think anybody wears them well. But now I think I may have upset the team. I think Kelly Betts might be wearing skinny jeans, and I'm trying to just I trying they to suit find... her as well. I bet she looks great. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, she does. She does look great, Sammy. I'm just trying to find the best way out of this scenario. Wow, and you said I looked nice in my jeans the other day as well. They weren't skinny. You couldn't pull off skinny jeans. You literally couldn't pull off skinny jeans. Oh. That's the chair. Imagine when they're not in fashion anymore. Yeah. How silly we'll think we looked. Oh, God, were we silly? Do you know what's in now, Sammy? Massive flares. What? Flipping heck. Do you like jeans, Sammy? I like jeans, yeah. Ah. Anyone can pull off skinny jeans, it's Kelly Betts. But Catherine literally couldn't pull off skinny jeans. Literally couldn't pull them off your legs. I'll help you out. Wow. It's right. I'll help you out. Butter. You want to butter... I'm buttering you up, and you want to butter your legs up. Just stop talking. Is that my not helping? No. Hey guys, it's 6.17. How's it going? Yeah? You want some headlines? Great. Got some. Here they come. Researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. Labour says everyone living permanently in Britain should pay tax on everything they earn, even if the money is earned overseas. And in sport, Milton Keynes Dons kept up their challenge for automatic promotion with last night's 2-0 win over Scunthorpe at Stadium MK. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning. Coming up at nine on the big phone in this morning. Is it a good idea to make jobless teenagers work for their benefits? How would you like this country to stand up to President Putin? Are you surprised to see British people being blatantly racist? The JVS Show. I think we've got to get over this issue about racism doesn't exist. It, it has existed. It will probably carry on existing. What I wanted to say is they've got this completely the wrong way around. You know, that, that, that is also true. That is also true. You will always get some, but they are such... A minority. Oh, the man's a buffoon. Get him up, get him out of bed, give him a sense of purpose. The JDS Show. Do you think we have got to, as a country, start taking this issue more seriously? Every weekday morning on BBC right. Three Counties Radio. This, I cannot believe... Stop showing me your, your um, very well-defined uh, little butt, Kelly. <laughs> um, not, Kelly just said, aren't old jeans skinny jeans? No, I did not You say did that. say that, mate. I mean, you said that. Did you say that or not? In terms of female clothing, they're clothing? all quite fitted at the moment. Right, yes, most jeans, all jeans are fitted for women. All jeans are skinny jeans. Oh, no, I'm wearing 501s, classic. And I'm going to get in the bath later on with these. Oh, I did that once. Shrink fit. I used to do that. Shrink fit. It didn't work. I just ended Shrink up with wrapped. wet, cold jeans. Shrink wrapped. Shrink fit. Shrink wrapped. You decide. Shrunken. Shrunken. Tell me about it. Cold. 
Um, no, not all jeans are skinny jeans, Kelly. I know this. Well, then why did you ask this? I did not ask it. You are you asked it. I I heard you ask it. I didn't ask it. Base no. Yay! What? Hmm? So anyway, let me press this. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey. A programme on BBC Two this evening. Blimey, O'Reilly. If... A programme on BBC Two this evening reveals the tactics used by the so-called Islamic State to lure young British women to Syria. Britain's Jihadi Brides shows how women have travelled to the country lured by a combination of slick marketing, social media and religious fervour. Well, one of the most infamous female jihadists is the so-called Black Widow, Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury, whose husband Jermaine Lindsay was one of the 7-7 bombers. Well, Nick Nam Hussain from Aylesbury is the current chairman of the Independent Advisory Group at Thames Valley Police and new Samantha Luthwaite. Good morning, Nicknam. Good morning, Mr. Reed. Uh, what do you know about the techniques used to recruit young women? Well, they're classic uh, brainwashing techniques, uh, similar to the, what's used in the child sex exploitation um, techniques of kind of reassuring them, making them part of the gang, uh, giving them reassurance as to that they have a place in society but that society is their society, not kind of our Western society. The child exploitation, they plied them with booze and drugs. That's not happening to these women travelling to Syria, is it? No, of course not, of course not. But uh, the kind of the booze and the uh, gifts come afterwards uh, on the child sex exploitation, but it's just uh, it's brainwashing techniques. Because there's a a lot, Nick, there's there's a lot... um, There's one thing convincing somebody that their ideology is is the right way, you know, and uh, um, what they're thinking thinking is right and what the Western governments are thinking is wrong. But then getting them from that stage to then persuading them to actually go to Syria, how, how do they make that leap? Well, that's, that's, that's the mystery. That's the, uh, what um, everybody, $64,000 question, so to speak, because what we're trying to find out and what the police and intelligence services and the parents, don't forget, you know, you heard the parents yesterday who were distraught at Dewsbury at their uh, teenage boys disappearing out of their houses and suddenly realising where they are uh, in Turkey and uh, maybe crossing over to Syria. And the, if you heard those parents on the news conferences, they were distraught. So that's what everyone's trying to find out. What is that last click that makes them get up, pack up something and get on a plane over to Turkey? You probably won't know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, Nick. What, what if a, a young woman going to uh, to Syria to uh, become, you know, the slightly lazy term of jihadi bride, mm. uh, in inverted commas, what can they expect when they get there? If you read the media, they can expect nothing. And also, there was a very um, telling uh, documentary on um, German TV, which was shown on the internet, uh, a German reporter who managed to smuggle himself in. Oh, and and uh, they basically it's not what they think they're getting into which is some sort of utopia of islamic uh, state um with all islamic rules they are very oppressed um they are not allowed out they're not allowed uh, to be in public without another male um they uh, they have to wear very strict uh, dress codes much stricter even than saudi arabia believe it or not um and um some of them, the stories, the horror stories that you hear, 
um, you know, we can't obviously confirm, but, you know, being sold as sex slaves, as sex brides to, you know, you are told sex that brides. is mad. Well, that is the man you're going to marry. You don't yeah. know them. You don't know who they are. Right. They could be anything from a Chechen to a Western uh, uh, jihadi to a Arab jihadi to a uh, South Indian jihadi. You just don't know who it is. Yeah. You're told by the sheikh, that's the man you're going to marry. How do we stop it happening? How do we stop these young people uh, uh, going? It's a combination of things, and it's one of those kind of, uh, if I knew the answer, I'd, I'd tell everybody and get it done. But yeah. uh, uh, the government's trying, the councils are trying, education, parents. Parents have got to keep an eye on what their kids are looking at to some degree. I'm not one of those parents who kind of keep a minute-to-minute, I'll be honest with you, a minute-to-minute notice on what my kids are doing, because I think that becomes oppressive. And then they all they do is hide from you. It's that so, balance, is it? As a responsible parent, yeah. it's that balance of kind of being aware of what they're But, you know, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids, are, I, I vaguely remember it, they're brilliant at hiding stuff and saying one thing to their parents and going off and doing something else, aren't they? And also, I'd imagine, if, if they are slowly be or quickly being convinced that the West is wrong... Then they're not going to listen to what you say because you you work for the police. You know you're connected to the police. They're not going to listen to me because I'm a white middle aged, you know, capitalist. It, it, it's it's difficult, isn't it? It's worse than that, uh, Ian, because uh, you know, blaming Western media and the press sometimes is always oh, the mosques. They don't listen to the mosques either because one of the things that's been drilled into them by that siege is the mosques are as worse as 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 the the West. Mm. You know they are puppets of the West. They're not true Islam. Don't listen to them. So it is really, really difficult. And I think also 15, 16, if you vaguely remember it, just like I vaguely remember it, mm. you're a rebel. You're yeah, against yeah. everything anyway. Yeah, of course. You know, it's the old cliche of that um, rebel without a cause. You know, what are you against? You tell me something, I'm against it. Yeah, I don't know what I'm what against, you, but I'm against it. Yeah, what have you got? You know, what yeah. are you against? Or what have you got? Nick, no, listen, I, I appreciate you coming on this time in the morning. We'll get you on again, because I'd love to talk longer. It's it fascinating. Anytime, me. Thank you very much indeed. That's Nick Nam Hussain from uh, Aylesbury, the current chairman of the Independent of. Everyone's got such long titles. Advisory group at Thames Valley Police. Drove downtown in the rain. 9 30 on a Tuesday night. Just to check out the late night record shop. Call it impulsive, call it compulsive, call it insane. When I'm surrounded, I just can't stop It's a matter of instinct, it's a matter of conditioning, a matter of fact You can call me Pavlov Ring a bell and I'll salivate, how'd you like that? Dr. Landy, tell me you're not just a pedagogue Cause right now I'm lying in bed Just like Brian Wilson did Well I have I'm lying in bed Just like Brian Wilson did So I'm lying here Just staring
for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise around Junction 19 for Watford as it starts to get busier, but no reports of any problems elsewhere on the motorways. The A1M looks like it's moving fine at the moment on the cameras. In Bricketwood on the North Orbitary, that's looking quite slow around the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. And looking at the speed sensors in Milton Keynes, it's looking fine through the roadworks on Standing Way at the Kingston roundabout, but expect delays there later on when it starts to get busier. On the trains, there's no problems reported on the departure boards, but the Metropolitan Line is suspended because of a signalling problem at Harrow on the Hill, so it's suspended from Amersham, Uxbridge and Watford to Wembley Park and there's severe delays on the rest of the line. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's 6.30, I'm Simon Oxley. Researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. The charity Marie Curie commissioned the report. Labour says everyone living permanently in Britain should pay tax on everything they earn, even if the money is earned overseas. The Conservatives have promised to introduce resits for pupils who get poor results in their SAT tests at the end of primary school. And passengers at London Luton Airport have been warned to expect disruption because of a strike by air traffic controllers in France. Luton-based EasyJet is cancelling nearly 120 flights today. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Two goals in the opening five minutes from striker Will Grigg gave MK Dons a 2-0 win over Scunthorpe at Stadium MK. The win closes the gap to second place Preston to five points, whilst Cole Robinson's side are themselves five points clear of fourth place Swindon, who lost at Bristol City. The manager was delighted with Grigg's growing goals tally. 19 goals and probably about 15 miles covered. Um, incredible. I, I just think he's a tremendous example for any young fan. We're a, we're a club with a very young fan base. And uh, I think if, you, if you're looking to, to, to become, well, not just footballers, but anything in life, a work ethic becomes, should be part of your DNA. And, and he has that in abundance. And he showed everyone once again today that he, he works his socks off. In the Premier League, a hat-trick from Christian Benteke gave Aston Villa a three-all draw at home to fellow strugglers QPR. Tonight, Liverpool travel to Blackburn for their FA Cup quarter-final replay. The winners will face Aston Villa in the Wembley semi-final. Watford have sold out their ticket allocation for their matches at Nottingham Forest and Brighton, while the final championship game of the season at home to Sheffield Wednesday is close to selling out. Luton have cancelled the contract of defender Paul Connolly by mutual consent. Connolly signed last summer but has only made six appearances and Wickham boss Gareth Ainsworth has been shortlisted for the League Two Manager of the Month award for March. It's the final day of practice for Rory McIlroy and company ahead of tomorrow's US Masters Golf. Ian Carter is in Augusta. McIlroy's bid for a career Grand Slam will begin in the company of three times champion Phil Mickelson. The Northern Irishman plays his first two rounds with Mickelson and another American, Ryan Moore. They'll tee off at just after 20 to 4 UK time on Thursday. Tiger Woods waits until the penultimate grouping and plays alongside the Welshman, Jamie Donaldson, and the inform American, Jimmy Walker. Defending champion Bubba Watson is among the earlier starters on Thursday and he'll be playing alongside Justin Rose. BBC Three Counties News and Sports. The next full bulletin is at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> I don't know which microphone you're going to use today. It seems to be so random on the veranda. Thank you, Kelly Betts. <laughs> A one, two, one, two. Or this one. Yo. A one, two, one, two. That one's off. Yo, we're wow. Yo, we're wow. I'd run down the freeway chasing them ice cream. Yo, we're wow. Wow. Yo, we're wow. Marion's on the line. Good morning, Marion. How is Stevenage this morning? Um, Nice and bright. I've just seen the moon go. Woo! Mm. What, blown up by the Russians? No. They wanted to <laughs> once, didn't they? Yeah. Who was it who wanted to blow the... Was it the Russians that wanted to blow the moon up? Yes. It was, wasn't it? Yes. When was that? Oh, about 1960-something. Oh, 1960-something. Mm. No, I, someone wanted to blow up recently. It, I think it was. I, well, I think it was the Americans who wanted to blow up the moon to show that they could. Oh, I'm sure that's a ge- genuine. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. That was in like the last five years. That would be quite annoying, wouldn't it? No. I like the moon. The moon gets... R- it's so arrogant, isn't it? It gets right on my nerves. No, it would 
cause all sorts of problems. But well, that it... isn't the problem I'm talking about. Oh, go on then. What's the I do not like jeans. Oh. In fact, in all my lifetime, I've never worn a pair. In the last 90 years, you've never mm, worn a pair of jeans? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, blo- what? what? Because I think that they were made by the slave, slave masters for the mm. slaves in the sort of when they were... And so they didn't have to make them, you know, buy trousers or anything for the youngsters. And then when they brought them in, they... So hang on, you don't wear them because they were used to be worn by slaves? No, no. then they were worn by workmen on the building sites yeah. and boat building and all the rest of it. So you're a when, snob? No, when, I think, honestly, I think they're just, they're just common. i tell you what I don't like, Mariam. Um, mm. So you are a snob, basically. Yeah. yeah. What I don't like is the fact that, that, that jeans are now the default setting. And the number of times I'm sat in a meeting or in a room with other people and you look around and, and nine, out of ten pe- nine out of ten people have got jeans and on. And who's the tenth person? Me. You, well, I never wear jeans for work. You, well, you wore them on Monday and you wore them on Friday. Yeah, because so that was true. on a, a bank so that's holiday. Not, that's a lie. Bank holiday. That's a lie. You, just, was... said, you just said you never wore them for work. You were working on Friday and, and Monday and you were wearing what, them. So what, that's a lie. Why are you looking over there too? Um, I'm, showing cheap off, seats. I'm showing off yeah. to, to oh, no. Kelly. Everybody thinks they're individualists yeah. by wearing jeans, yeah. and that it's like the um, like the three politicians the other day. Oh. They all turned out in three jeans, te- uh, a it shirt, four jeans. Now, yeah, four jeans. Exactly. So I mean, quite honestly, jeans are just you know, it's like young ladies wearing those leggings. God, well, I was going to ask you where you stand on leggings, because if jeans are common, then leggings must well, be downright no, filth. No, well, if, if it's not a case of filth. It's just when you walk behind them, you see their asses moving up and well, down all the time, being polite. I mean to say, then they don't care what size mm. they are. They put I tell you what I don't like, Marion, and you would think I would, but I don't. Some le- expensive leggings. Now, is it leggings or leggings with a G at the end? Leggings. With without the G. Without the G. It's a, yeah, you see, this is the division. I think it is leggings because you put your legs ins. Well, some honestly, of them that is true. It depends on whether they've got feet or not. Who the person wearing them? No, the, t- the leggings. It's that, the ones no, well, that well, they're tights and leggings and leggings without without what. If they're, if they're very sick, they then the have people wearing them. them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what I, I don't like is some of these leggings, uh, if you buy them on the market or you see horrible chavvy people wearing them, they're such poor quality, you can see through and you can see they're, their knickers they're virtually, if they're wearing any. They're, they're basically footless tights. I think leggings are horrible and I never wear them. Good for you. Horrible. But in the 80s, you know, I was partial to a ski pant, so, you know, not perfect. Here's the thing, Mariam. Here's the fashion that I noticed at the weekend, and the fact that I noticed it means it's probably coming to an end. Young ladies, Mm -hmm. black jeans, Mm -hmm. ripped knees... Yeah. Oh, I lived through it the first time in the 80s. Oh, dearie. <laughs> it's blooming awful. Well, uh, you look like you've been on your knees doing yeah, what exactly. I wouldn't dare to suggest. Playing with pipes like a plumber. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that is why... When or people a wannabe wear, actress, yes? When parents, par- par- well, when people wore jeans, they could rip them up and it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. But quite honestly, if they didn't, people wouldn't climb over fences, wouldn't do this, wouldn't yeah. do that, because they'd ruin their, their proper clothing. Marion, you've given us a lot to uh, chew on today, primarily denim, but thank you. Have a, have a nice day, dear. Thank you, my darling. Ripped, ripped knees. Jason Donovan died for your sins. He got kicked out of Harrods once for having ripped jean knees. 
And now all the girls are doing it. You're probably doing it, aren't you, Kelly? No. Yeah, you see? All the girls are doing it because they think it's trendy. You just heard Kelly Betts there say that no, she's doing it. You did it yesterday. Those jeans, uh, uh, well, I was going to put them in the bin. That's why I bought these jeans. Don't tell me you're going to make cut-offs. Well, I'm going to make short shorts. Oh. I'm going to make short shorts. I look like this fella in this picture I've just retweeted. <laughs> now, it's time for a little bit of... What's Miss Angulis? What's Miss Angulis? Today... No, hang on, not Miss What's Miss Angulis. That's the wrong thing. It's this. What's the story? Please not let me read the papers. You're not allowed to read the papers there because you cheated. Well, no, I'd read the papers. What's well, cheating? Where I come from. <laughs> it's called educating where yourself. Where I come from is cheating. Oh, look, that button's undone. Just a little bit of belly button there. Well, quite a bit of belly. I've never been more um, aroused. Well. Is that the word? Okay, no. There, there, okay, now we have to we have to change this jingle. Sorry? We have to change this jingle, but then you've got all like BBC on my, my ass this morning. Is that BBC on my ass this morning? Can we stop referring to that? Sorry. What do you mean, say, my bum? I've got a BBC on my bum. Bottom. I blame Marion. She opened the ass shop. She did. Now, <laughs> where is that shop? Because I need a new one. My one is a broken. Um, I, this, a lot of, it turns out all the stuff, what happens is, is I read a headline yeah, and the on. team have to guess what the story is. This is a lot of fun. You can play at home uh, and the winner gets a million pounds. Uh, or oh, a new car. That's the that chair. chair. That was the chair that time. Um, but all of them come from the sun. So I want to call it... Sponsored by the sun. Oh, hang on. Hang on a bit. That's right. Sponsored by the sun. And you thought it was a great idea. Can I get Paul Scorns to voice it? Because he's got a dull voice. Yeah. He'll be asleep. Since when has Kelly's uh, say-so been the um, uh, since she was of uh, BBC Standards? Mate, since she was the original producer of me on this show. Was she? Yes, yeah. she was. Oh, why is she, fun, why is she not now? Fun. Didn't get the job I went for. Yeah, that's yeah. right. She why wasn't, not? She wasn't good enough. So, but you said we can't do that. We can't say... Sponsored by the sun. My echo didn't work. You said we couldn't do it. What was that? Well, why can't we do it? Because we're BBC. Because you're advertising a newspaper. So we've come up with a compromise, haven't we, Kelly? Yes. Are you going to do it for me? Yes. OK, so this is what the feature's now called. What's the story Sponsored by a newspaper beginning with the... There we go. Excellent. OK, is that OK? Yeah. We're OK with that? Yeah, fine. OK. Who's up for round one? You're not allowed to laugh at people that can't say their R's anymore. I think it's a blooming disgrace. Do you know what, do you know what that is? I think it's just gone politically correct. It really, really has. OK, so we go to page uh, four of the sun. Page four of the sun. A holy row. Don't look. You're looking. I'm not looking. You were totally looking. And I'm lucky not looking. she's blind as a bat. Um, a holy row. Kelly, we're going to start with you. What do you think the story... Oh, no, sorry. I do like a holy row. Kelly? What's the story? It's a man whose surname is Rao. Mm. Oh. And... I like a style. He is in a church. Mm. 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 And he falls off a pew. Mm. Breaks his arm. I'm going to stop you there, because this could go on for ages, and you are way, way off the, the track. So, Catherine, a holy Rao. <laughs> I think you've misread that. Um, 
Oh, okay. Uncharacteristically. Okay. And it's Rude. a holy row. And what it is, is um, a doily factory. Oh. Forgot to set, oh, calibrate doily. the machinery right. My nickname at school, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the doilies all came out in like a sort of string. And so it was a holy row. Okay, incorrect. Both of you are incorrect. Zero. Is it Neil Poir? Neil Poir. Oh. Ian Harris, 51, says his religion allows him to wear a colander for his driving licence picture in Hove, East Sussex. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's, it's in one of the other... Here it is, it's in page 27 of the is mail. Is there a picture? There's a picture in page 27. Is he doing it, the glum face? He's a pastafarian. A what? He's a pastafarian. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a musician has accused the DVLA of religious discrimination. This is brilliant. <gasps> After his driving licence photograph was rejected because he had a colander on his head. <laughs> Ian Harris said he was insulted by the rejection and claimed the utensil was part of his beliefs. And there he is. With a, he's a pastor, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He's a pastafarian. I like that. He's a plum. Yeah, you, you could certainly say that. Gosh. Yeah. I tell you what. He was a member of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monsters. Yep. Well, listen, Crikey. you're going you know, to believe in something. You might, might as well have a little bit of fun with it. We have, and we're having... Um, Hang on. If you're going to believe in something, you might as well have a little bit of fun with it. And we're having so much fun that um, I'd like this game to continue. And I'd like you to join me, Catherine and Kelly, after the travel, news and the weather. And maybe we'll have Justin Dealey with us as we play more... take part on the phone and you're not Dennis 08459 or Peter or Peter uh, all those Muppets we've banned 08459 455 555 and you could be playing Travel news for beds hearts and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio the M25 anti-clockwise is looking very busy between Junction 21 for the M1 and 19 for Watford. And in Marlow Hill in High Wycombe, there's temporary traffic lights just before Marlow Road by the Leisure Centre, so that is likely to get busy later on. But it's not looking too bad on the speed sensors at the moment. There are some problems on the trains, though. Greater Anglia have tweeted that there are major disruptions and cancellations through Bishop Stortford. It's also affecting the Stansted Express, but Great Northern are saying customers can use their trains instead. The Metropolitan Line has severe delays, and at Luton Airport, there could be some problems for flights to and from France because of industrial action by their air traffic controllers. Samantha Brough, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sammy. 6.45, Wednesday the 8th of April. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. Labour says everyone living permanently in Britain should pay tax on everything they earn, even if the money is earned overseas. And in sport, Milton Keynes Don kept up their challenge for automatic promotion with last night's 2-0 win over Scunthorpe. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's a chilly start for some. Not quite as chilly as yesterday, though. Just one or two places down at one Celsius. Up at Woburn, for example, it's down at one at the moment. So quite chilly up there. Elsewhere, five or six Celsius. Bit of mist and fog, but that will lift. It's fairly light, so it's not going to last for too long. 
Now, a bright start for most this morning. Some sunshine and it's a repeat performance of yesterday. Lots of sunny spells. Temperatures could reach around 16, maybe 17 Celsius. So another warm afternoon across the board. Overnight tonight, clear spells. Temperatures falling away again. So it could become quite chilly for some, particularly in the more rural locations. Mist and fog likely. Minimum temperature down to 2 Celsius. A dry day for Thursday. Early mist and fog will clear and then a nice warm afternoon. Maximum temperature tomorrow again 17 maybe 18 Celsius in the sunshine. A similar day for Friday then it begins to change just subtly overnight Friday into Saturday expecting a little bit of rain overnight then through Saturday that will lift in the morning. Still fine and dry for daylight hours at the weekend but the wind's coming from the west it will be breezier and therefore the temperature just a little bit fresher. That's your forecast. If you've missed any of the programmes here on BBC Three Counties Radio, you've missed things like this. What can you see directly ahead of you? Is it a person or a wall or what uh, is it? I can see my husband, which is not a great sight on this Saturday <laughs> morning. <laughs> but there is a way you can hear it all again. Liz said that your challenge is you've got to take a photograph of a male duck and a female duck. It's Ladies' Day as we play two hours of the finest female artists of all time. BBC .co.uk slash three counties radio. Great start. Love that. Brad Tux playing live tonight on BBC introducing In Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Allowing you to listen to what you missed. missed. BBC.co.uk slash three counties radio. Call 08459. We know the numbers. Affordable five five double five. Hey, dealer, dealy. Hey, good morning why to you, your boss. Why did you tweet a picture of your backside this morning, mate? Well, because you were talking about skinny jeans. Yeah. I think this could be your next award. You talking about fashion? Do you know what you've had me smiling all morning? Fashion. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to just send you a little photograph, just demonstrating. I'm going to win an award because you've taken a picture down the no, back no, of your no, trousers, no, so but, showing the word but, skinny and the, the um, actual <laughs> bum crack. <laughs> <laughs> but you asked about skinny jeans. I'm wearing what? them this morning with pride and with passion. Yeah, but you have got a pair that are too tight, haven't you? Uh, well, yeah, most of them are too tight. And you sustained a bit of an injury at one point. Well, I what remember. happened, mate? Well, well, I'm just saying that, uh, you know, for a couple of days it was, uh, let's just say, a bit awkward. <laughs> OK, let's, let's just say that. Do you want to um, do you want to play a bit of... I would love to. OK, well, they're going to go with... OK, let's go to page... Seven of the Sun, for those playing at home, page seven of the Sun. Flyer Pud on alert. Flyer Pud on alert. Dealer Dealy, we'll start with you, brother. Okay, I think that's. Uh, would that be about a pudding? I can give no clues at this stage. That's it's... about a pudding. That's about a sticky toffee pudding, OK? okay. That's, that somebody has, has had in a restaurant. It's cost them a lot of money. And they've thought, no, I'm not having this. And they've thrown it across the restaurant. OK, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to comment on that answer at the moment. I'm going to go straight to Catherine Boyle, the oldest person on this team, by the way. <laughs> Apart from you. I'm going to way say... Mm. If she's not, then she needs to get a new face cream. Wow. wow. Gosh. Oh? Listen, I speak of the truth. You've done a lack of the truth, then you get out of the way. <laughs> good accent. Thank you, mate. It's Italian. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Part of the European Union. Mamma mia. Spaghetti bolognese. I think a pilot... Lasagna. ...had a pancake-related incident oh. in his cockpit. Oh! And, um, Too soon? No. 
Shrove Tuesday was quite recent. Yeah, continue. Mm-hmm. And with the jet lag and everything, maybe he thought it was Shrove Tuesday. There you go. So are you suggesting that, that he, um, a pilot, tossed in the cockpit? Yeah. And it splattered everywhere? No, because he would have waited till it was a decent consistency, surely. Kelly. Hello. I'm not going to give you any clues, mm. but if you can somehow join these two stories yeah. together, you get flyer put on alert. OK. There's a man on a plane. Already I'm regretting asking her. Why? He's eating sticky toffee pud. Yeah. He's unhappy with it. Mm-hmm. He throws it across the plane. It's flying because he's throwing it, but also because the plane is flying. It's going twice the speed. It's twice... Yeah, mm. Incorrect data. I'm going to read this. Flyer put on alert. A plane passenger was stopped by security who mistook his peas pudding for explosives. Oh. The 58-year-old was trying to board an EasyJet flight from Newcastle to Gat- Gatwick when he was pulled aside during a hand luggage check. Staff took out six £1.80 tubs of the pudding along with Greg's pies. But Geordie, who has not been named, said, Why, hey, one of the security guys said it had come up on scanner. He told me technically this could be classed as Semtex. <laughs> but he added, they Let me keep it. It's hard to get down south. Peas pudding. It's also hard to get in the uh, 21st century. <laughs> Unless, of course, um, you're a child and you're asking mum for something to take to the Harvest Festival and she always manages to find a tin <laughs> at the back of the cupboard. Great game, guys. Uh, we got time for... we got time for one more. Go- um, hang on here. What's on page 19 of the mail? I've, I've put a star by it. So it must have been really good or, no. or rude. Has anybody nicked this game yet, by the way? Scott Mills will be doing it next week. Yeah, I was going to say. Mills will be doing it. Mm. Millsy. Millsy. Right. <laughs> Um Okay, here's one. Candice Bergen. My dad left Poppet seven thousand pounds, but I got nothing. Boyly. Um uh, Dealy. Uh I'm I'm stumped on this one. Um Candice Bergen, my dad left puppet £7,000, but I got nothing. Would that be... Would that be somebody who's died? OK. No. No? Well, hang on. Candice Bergen's <laughs> alive, isn't she? Stop interfering with his brainwaves. Has it got something to do with somebody dying yeah. and something in the will where somebody got nothing yeah. and a puppet, uh, which was somewhere in the house, something to do with the family, yeah. got the cash? Spot on. I do not know how he worked that out. Candice Bergen has revealed her ventriloquist father left £7,000 to his dummy in his will, but absolutely nothing to her. Not even a dollar gear. (laughs) Ventriloquists are rubbish. Apart from that girl that I like that you don't like. I think she's rubbish. Um, uh, Tom Conti's daughter. Tom Conti's daughter. Mm. I like her. I think she's awful. Um, I think she's good. But you can see her mouth moving. No, you can't, but mate. She we don't look at her mouth. But she not... dazzles you with... I mean, and the puppets are cruddy as well. But apart from that, she's very good and talented. OK, last one. Here we go. Great, great time. Great times. Fun times. Scissor Listers. Oh, no. Scissor Listers. Uh, Sister Sisters, the band, yeah. had an accident. Do you remember when they were a thing? Yeah. <laughs> I used to be stupid. Mama, uh, 
Sister Sisters, accident, end up at the Lister Hospital. Incorrect. Catherine, no we're worries. running out of time here. We're running out of time here. Um, we're running out of time. Um, we are running, running out, of out of time. Sorry, Catherine, you're out of time. Daily, Scissor Listers. Uh, would that be a list of men waiting for an operation oh. on a certain part oh. of their body? Oh, he's good. He's wrong, but I wish it were. No. Scissors used to cut the launch ribbon on the doomed World War, uh, oh, World War One liner Lusitania, sunk in 1915, are up for auction, Justin. And now I say that because I know you collect historical scissors. Very true, yes, so very, very true. Will you be having a cheeky bid? Uh, yeah, why not? Daily, yeah. stay there. We've got a mission for you after this. OK. <laughs> I've got you under my skin I've got you deep in the heart of me So deep in my heart that you're really a part of me I've got you under my skin I tried so not to give in I've said to myself this affair It never will go so well But why should I try to resist When baby I know damn well That I've got you under my skin I'd sacrifice anything, come what might, for the sake of having you near. In spite of a warning voice, comes in the night and repeats, repeats in my ear. Don't you know, you fool, you never can win. Use your mentality, wake up to reality. Each time I do, just the thought of you makes me stop before I begin, because I've got you under my skin. to retire because I'm not going to sit here all night reading emails. Rabbits, chickens and ducks. I would sacrifice anything come what might for the sake of having you near in spite of a warning voice. Comes in the night and repeats how it yells in my ear. Don't you know, you fool, ain't no chance to win. Why not choose your mentality? Get up, wake up to reality. And each time I do, just the thought of you makes me stop just before I begin. Because I've got you. Under my skin And I like you Under my skin
Yeah, see, see it's, it's a nice song, isn't it, Just? Love it. Two, two possible things. You may want to take jeans, skinny jeans, the ripped knee jeans. You may want to take that to the street, Just. OK, yeah, no problem. Page 13 of the Daily Mail. Have you got that one there, Catherine? All right. I'm feeling naughty this morning. Oh, gosh, no, careful. Page 13 of the boozy ones. Put, put that to... Uh, here we go, flipping it. Hang on, hang on, I'm, ne- I'm there, I'm nearly there. Well, you're not there, though, mate. I'm nearly there. We're running out of time. We're, oh, we're late for... We're, right, oh, blimey, just... Yeah. Um, everyone's got a memory. Oh, we, we're Drinks late. Drinks we hate, oh. never again. What's yours? Millions of Britons admit to a particular drink they cannot bear because of once overindulging in a drunken episode. Yes. More than one in nine people have an aversion to a specific tipple because they got boozed up on Whiskey. it. Whiskey. Oh, Whiskey for you. Yep. Catherine? Red Bacardi Breezers. Red, uh, Thunderbird for me. Kelly Betts? Malibu. There we go. We'll discuss yeah. more after this. Thank you, Just. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's busy on the M1 towards London around Junction 9 for Redbourne and the M25 anti-clockwise is very slow from Junction 25 for Enfield to 24 for Potter's Bar. It's also looking busy on the A1 southbound now from the Holiday Inn towards the Stirling Corner. On the trains, Greater Anglia have tweeted that there's major delays possible and possible cancellations through Bishop Stortford because of a problem on the line. And on the London Underground, the Metropolitan Line has a signalling problem at Harrow on the Hill, which means there are severe delays. At Luton Airport, there could be some problems for flights to and from France because of industrial action. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sammy. So, jeans, skinny jeans, what's your beef? Uh, and also, is there a drink you cannot drink anymore because you had an unpleasant night on it? 08459 555. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines report says palliative care system needs major overhaul. SNP leader would back Labour and MK Dons maintain promotion challenge. BBC Three Counties Radio. Researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. The charity Marie Curie commissioned the report. In Bedfordshire, ambulance crews receive extra specialist training which aims to allow more people to remain at home rather than face a trip to hospital. Clive Goodson is from the East of England Ambulance Service. Using our ambulance crews, the um, people registered the scheme has gone up because our crews are now referring people straight to the scheme. So it, it doesn't matter if you've got cancer or any illness, we want people to get the best palliative care possible, which we believe this scheme is doing. Labour says everyone living permanently in Britain should pay tax on everything they earn, even if the money is earned overseas. Ed Miliband says if he's elected, he would do away with the tax status enjoyed by non-domiciles. Elsewhere, the Conservatives have promised to introduce resits for pupils who get poor results in their SAT tests at the end of primary school. And the SNP leader has offered to help Ed Miliband become Prime Minister. Nicola Sturgeon was speaking in a TV debate last night between party leaders in Scotland. The polls say people don't want a majority Labour government because they know the last majority Labour government 
didn't deliver. I don't want David Cameron to be Prime Minister. I'm offering, no, I'm offering to help, I'm offering to help <laughs> me in Miliband to Prime answer, Minister. Yeah. Passengers at London Luton Airport have been warned to expect disruption because of a strike by air traffic controllers in France. Luton-based EasyJet is cancelling nearly 120 flights today. A white police officer in South Carolina has been charged with murdering a black man who appeared to be running away from him. A video shot by a witness in the city of Charleston prompted the authorities to take action. People living on a mobile home park in Hertfordshire say they're fed up with still not being able to get problems on the site resolved. The residents of Newlands Park near Abbots Langley say it's been over a year since the bases of some of the homes were reported as cracked to the owners. More from Tony Fisher. The residents also want action over possible water leaks, access to bills and a way of communicating with the owners which isn't via their lawyers. They add trees are not maintained and are dangerously overhanging some of the homes. BBC Three Counties has been unable to speak to the owners via their lawyers and Three Rivers District Council says the lack of communication is not within the remit of the licence and therefore they can't comment. In sport, two goals in the opening five minutes from striker Will Grigg gave MK Dons a 2-0 win over Scunthorpe at Stadium MK. The win leaves Carl Robinson side five points behind second place Preston in the race for automatic promotion. Every time we play first thing what Preston, 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 Preston and I'm not going to hide that from anybody it's, it's true we're all we cared about was we focused on Preston. The weather, another dry and warm day with plenty of sunshine, a maximum temperature 17 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Simon. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Busy line, busy line. Is there a drink you cannot touch because you had a thoroughly unpleasant experience on it? We'll go into detail in that a little bit more. The great jean debate. We spoke to... Who was it who's never worn jeans? I've forgotten. Marion in Stevenage. Marion in Stevenage has never worn jeans in all her 60 years of existence. She's a snob. <laughs> She's a snob. I did try a few years ago to um, stop wearing jeans because it's lazy. Jeans are lazy. Wear trousers instead. It's lazy, but it's just so convenient, isn't it? And what's this thing with the fashion now is girls in skinny black jeans with the knees cut away. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Boiling. It's not as if knees are an erogenous zone. They're just a knobble. Oh, I don't like knees. It is a knobble. Uh, and, I mean... <laughs> it is just a knobble. What are you going to do with a knee? Really? You're not going to kiss it or lick it. I mean, you're just going to avoid that. You're working from uh, toe to top. You just skip that bit. You just, you, don't even touch, you just jump over that bit. Yeah. It's, it's a bend in the road. Isn't it on the road to um, uh, to pleasure? It's a, it's a bend that I don't need to take. That's not bad actually. I have a bit of work. That could be a quite a good line when I write my um, sex guide. Yeah. Avoid the knee. It's just a bend in the road. On the road. It's just a bend in the road to, on the way to pleasure. Yeah. Uh, Pleasureville. Yeah. How's your sex guide coming along? It is. It's well, like my sex, non-existent. <laughs> Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'm really looking forward to Catherine's excuse for not having the text I've machine open. I've got them open. open, but we haven't got any. I don't believe that. How can we do an hour and five minutes of broadcast? And let's be honest, guys, 
Excellent broadcast. Well, we've got... And not have any Texas. We've got one, right? Well, then read it to me. But they're from, um, well, Shirley, who always... Good morning, Shirley. And I don't know what it means. Well, read it. Maybe you'll just think... Good morning, Ian. It's your girl, ha-ha. Oh, yeah, because yesterday you said... Oh, Shirl's my girl. girl. Shirl's my girl. See, that means something. Thank you, Kelly. Colin. So we've got another text. Oh, you've been caught out as a right little liar, liar, pants on fire. Except you don't wear pants. I didn't think it was reading out because um, it's poning you, but if you insist. Oh, I'll take it. Great Catherine Boyle show. Your sidekick is coming along well from Colin. Thank you, Colin. I I think he's being mean. I think he's being sarcastic, mate, about you. So, ponership of you. Uh, One Catherine Boyle to go. She's gone. Who? Bants. Thanks for the text, guys. You've really lifted my morning. You're welcome. Uh, 08459 555555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, the UK's palliative care system needs a major overhaul. That's according to a report commissioned by the charity. Now, how how would you... I would say Mary Curie. Mary Curie. Mary Curie. Mm -hmm. Okay. It says there are widespread inequalities in end-of-life care, suggesting that those with non-cancer conditions are receiving considerably less attention than those with cancer. Well, someone who... uh, uh, knows all about this, is a regular contributor to the show. It's Matt from Luton. Morning, Matt. Morning. Now, for those who don't listen, perhaps as regularly as you do, you um, you looked after your wife, Margaret, didn't you, before she passed away? Yeah, six years. Six years. Um, and she had she had dementia, is that right? Yes, yes, yes. But she had a... a it started off very, very slight dementia. We didn't realise we thought it was something else, but uh, she got worse and worse and worse. But you see, you're on about palliative care. You can only have palliative care if the person's got cancer or a disease with dementia. They can walk up and get out of the house and there's all different forms of dementia. So you can't have palliative care. In the end, she had to go into home, Ian, because I couldn't handle her. She kept falling over. And I was lucky she never, she never broke out of the house or anything like that but uh, palliative care is okay for people with cancer or heart trouble because they're in the situ they're in the same position mm. at all times they're at home and it's nice to be in your own home and they do know what they they can see what they're saying they realize that they got the family around them but with dementia you don't know nothing there is nothing there in it's dead cells, and sometimes they come to life with uh, little things happening. Oh, she remembers, and then the rest of it is just being there and make sure that she's safe and happy. That's all. How much support did you get, Matt? Oh, I got terrific support. I, I was so lucky. I was very lucky. It took me a while to get proper carers, decent carers, but I had one specific carer who was brilliant. From um, they were they were marvellous Westminster care. I can't speak enough about. Now towards the end, <clears throat> Matt, when she was very poorly, yeah. and she was bedridden to, towards the end, wasn't she? All the time, yeah. 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 What kind of um, care was she given in like in the last you know sort of couple of weeks of her life? But she, yeah, she was in the home then. You see, yeah, like your mum now, yeah. She was in the home, and the home, I couldn't speak enough for the home. They'd done everything. Mm. She was on the... She, they took her to the toilet, but then eventually she couldn't go to the toilet, so she had to have a catheter and all that type of thing. Mm. 
But they, they were very, and, and, and what I liked about the home where Margaret was, they were very respectful. That's very important. Mm. Dignity. It's not only the dignity of the patient, it's the dignity of the family. The family means the world. If they see that, uh, I'd go in and if there was little things that wasn't done right, and I, I would pick these up, and also I learned this off of my main carer. She could tell Margaret when Margaret was sitting uncomfortable, and she trained me how to look after her. So I passed it on to the home. Mm. People don't speak enough. They go in and they'll condemn the homes. Everybody's great at pointing the finger in, as you know yourself. But go in and talk to the home and talk to the girls in the home and explain to them how Margaret sits and when she likes to sit up, she likes to do this, she likes to do that. It's a simple thing, really, looking after somebody, isn't it? Do you speak to her every day, Matt? Yeah. Of course yeah, you do. Yeah. Well, we, we, have, we, we, we have a lot of... I have a lot of music in my life, Ian, as you know. Yeah. And there's lots of songs that she used to love. And uh, when I put the spot for her on, of course, I used to say to her in the mornings, as Kelly knows, Kelly's been to see Margaret years, a good few years ago, but we'd ask her what type of music. I'd say, what do you want to hear today? Oh, she said, I'd like to hear uh, Steve Earle, or she'd like to hear... So she had a good taste in music, Matt, unlike you, who's got an absolutely rotten taste. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Matt, yeah, yeah. listen, it's always good to talk to you, mate, and I appreciate you uh, sharing your stories of Margaret. I never tire of hearing them, so thank you very much indeed. I want to bring in Helen Finlay, whose parents both experienced poor health at the end of their lives. Helen, you've been campaigning for uh, better palliative care, haven't you? Let's let's talk about your parents. What, what happened to them? Yeah. Well, um, basically, uh, my mother was diagnosed with dementia after a stroke, um, and my father and mother used to live together. And he was uh, took care of her uh, for a number of years, um, and then he started falling ill himself. And it took quite a while to discover what it was he was suffering from. But he was then diagnosed with motor neurone disease. Um, and then he was given the diagnosis and told, well, you have just quite boldly, you have about three or five years left to live, Mr mm. Finlay. Um, and with that, we thought, well, lots of care then would come in, uh, particular care, because he's been given a, a life-limiting illness diagnosis. But in fact, nothing did. Um, and unfortunately, from the diagnosis until my father died, was just over seven weeks. Oh, gosh. Um, and that we were, I mean, there's myself and my family. I've got uh, three siblings. Uh, we were just desperately running around trying to do what we could um, with my mother, who didn't really understand what was going on, of course. Um, we had to care for her, and she kept falling at home. And try as hard as we could, we couldn't get care for both of them at home so that they could be together, because they'd been married for 62 years. And they were apart because my mother had to go into hospital because she'd suffered another fall. And my father was at home, so we were, like, doing relays to his home, and, and I live quite a distance away. But fortunately, my two of my older siblings live nearer. But while we were doing that, we were also trying to sort out arrangements to get proper bed for him and, and proper facilities for her, and we just couldn't do it. What, so help, what help was offered to you, Helen? 
Well, it, there wasn't a, a lot offered. There was a lot promised, but it never materialised. So I, if I knew then what I know now, um, I'd have known to have been pushing for palliative care for my father, which he should really have had right from the point of diagnosis with a condition like motor neurone disease. Mm. Because as it progressed, and it was very quick, as you know, can imagine, over seven weeks, he um, began to lose the use of his arms, so he couldn't write or do anything. He lost his voice about a month before he died, because the disease takes your voice. So he could barely move, he couldn't talk, so it was very difficult for him to communicate. So we were having to be his in-between, if you like, and communicate for him. But nobody was, the, the health professionals were not really taking much notice of us. I don't know why, um, because we were the people who were there on the ground, um, who were desperately trying to care for him and my mother. Um, and everything was so slow. There was no joined up. There was no communication between um, health and social care. Um, and my mother had a social care manager, which had been assigned to her some time before. And she was trying to help as well because she knew my father too. And uh, she found it extremely difficult to get things moving uh, in terms of the kind of care he should have at home and the kind of care my mother should have at home. But eventually, uh, with my father's agreement, um, they went into a nursing home just really for respite and mm. so they could be together. Oh, so they got a place in a nursing home together? Because that's yeah, quite we, unusual, isn't I it? I know. Uh, oh, we were very, brilliant. very lucky. Yeah. It was only a mile from where they lived. Oh, so, that's brilliant. But the nursing home said they could look after someone with MND, but actually they, were, they just weren't up to it, frankly. Um, and two weeks later, my father was taken into hospital uh, for a peg feed because uh, he couldn't swallow either. That's another symptom of motor neurone disease. So he was wasting away. Uh, he couldn't speak. His hearing was poor. Um, so anyone trying to communicate with him was, you know, not going to do it very successfully unless they took time or we were there. Um, Helen, listen, I'm really sorry. We're running out of time. Oh, right. No, 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 not at all. I, f I feel really rude kind of cutting in, and I, I appreciate uh, you, you sharing this uh, with us. In 30 seconds, if you could, what, what do you think needs to change? I think, as your previous caller said, communication, and it's communication, communication, communication mm. between everybody, and also to recognise that with there's a family who's caring for someone, or if it's significant others caring for someone, it could be a good friend, then they need to be involved and be part of the team that is caring for the person and should be recognised as such, particularly for someone who has dementia, and particularly if that person with dementia is in the hospital but wherever they may be, that you're not just a visitor, you're not just a bystander, mm. you're actually heavily involved. So the communication between health and social care is important and coordinating what they're doing. So you're looking at a whole person and their whole family situation, their whole life. Helen, I'm really sorry that I had to cut in there and I really appreciate you sharing your stories with us. Thank you very much indeed. That was Helen Finlay, before that was Martin Luton. Let's get the travel. <laughs> Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
There are delays on the M1 towards London through Junction 10 for Luton Airport and the M25 anti-clockwise is looking busy between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 15 for the M4. In Watford on the A1 southbound through Mill Hill from the apex corner towards Mill Hill Circus, that's looking very slow southbound. And on the trains, Abellio Greater Anglia still have hour-long delays through Bishop Stortford. That's because of an incident earlier and the Metropolitan Line has severe delays. At Luton Airport, there are some problems to flights to and from France because of industrial action. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sammy. 7.18 or thereabouts. It's Wednesday the 8th of April. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. Labour says everyone living permanently in Britain should pay tax on everything they earn, even if the money is earned overseas. And in sport, Milton Keynes Dons kept up their challenge for automatic promotion with last night's 2-0 win over Scunthorpe. BBC Three Counties Radio. by a boa constrictor I'm being swallowed by a boa constrictor I'm being swallowed by a boa constrictor and I don't like it very much oh no oh no he swallowed my toe he swallowed my toe oh gee oh gee he's up to my knee he's up to my knee He's reached my middle, he's reached my middle. Oh, heck, oh, heck. He's up to my neck, he's up to my neck. Oh, dread, oh, dread. He's swallowed by... <laughs> <laughs> Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The programme on BBC Two this evening reveals the tactics used by the so-called Islamic State to lure young British women to Syria. Britain's Jihadi Brides shows how women have travelled to the country lured by a combination of slick marketing, social media and religious fervour. In February, a workshop was held in Luton aimed at women, urging them to make a stand against ISIS and directly combat extremism and radicalisation in their communities. Well, Kalsam Bashir is co-director of Inspire, the organisation behind the workshop. Good morning, Kalsam. Good morning. Uh, how did the workshop go? Really well. I mean, in fact, right across the country, we've had hundreds of women coming along um, and taking part. And, and the workshops came about out of a demand from women themselves saying they wanted to be at the forefront of challenging extremism and needed spaces to be able to talk very openly about their fears and learn more about what they could do themselves to protect their children. So what kind of uh, uh, things did the, the, the women who came to this, what kind of things did they bring to it then? What, what sort of issues did they have? I think really just that they wanted an awareness of what was happening. This was something that they were seeing on the news, like most of us, but unlike others, they came with the realisation that it was their children that were being targeted, and they were very, very fearful, really, that this can happen amongst our communities. I live in Bristol, and a 15-year-old disappeared from Bristol. And up to then, it had been something that perhaps mothers had thought is not going to happen to us. It, it just happens to other people. But the growing number of young people leaving um, brings it home that actually 
this is something. I mean, you know, we, we don't think perhaps children are going to be targeted by paedophiles or strangers out on the street, but we still talk to our children about stranger danger and the dangers of, of talking to people that we don't know. And now mothers realise that actually the, these are the conversations that we need to be having. And what they really wanted to know was, was the process of grooming, how it works, what tactics ISIS are using and what we can do as mothers to build resilience within what, the home. Calcium, what is the, 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 the what are the techniques that they're using? Because I, I do struggle to understand how intelligent young people um, could could kind of jack it all in and and try and get to Syria to, to go and join, you know, a bunch of murdering thugs. Mm, it's um, a combination of, of very complex layers, but whatever, like groomers on the internet, you know, they hook on to whatever vulnerabilities there may be in that young person, whether it's they're struggling with their identity, whether there are sort of certain demands being made of them, cultural demands, which are at odds with the demands being made with them outside the home as well. But underpinning all that, of course, is a very, very corrupt and perverse interpretation of religion. And religion can have a very, very powerful effect on, on, on young, vulnerable minds, particularly a very corrupt version. So it's about understanding how ISIS corrupts religion and building that resilience with mothers, showing them the counter-narrative, um, showing what sort of conversations they can be having at home to sow the seeds of doubt within their children's mind before they even come to see mm. that, that, you know, media marketing online so that children can dismiss it. Of course, young people have always kind of rebelled against their parents mm. and taken, you know, you, if, if your mum and dad vote Tory, there's a strong chance you'll vote Labour. You know, to break it down to a very simplistic term, um, mums and dads speaking to their kids doesn't always have a positive effect, does it? No, that's why what we're saying is, you know, start having those conversations early. Talk about what you're seeing on the news, round the kitchen table, and start asking open-end questions. Start talking about the counter-theological narrative. But then also, you know, make sure that your children are involved in activities outside of school with, with peers. Um, you know, it's about extracurricular activities and things, which, you know, a lot of Muslim parents perhaps don't don't encourage their children to be part of there aren't much but start doing that and then if you have any concerns at all make sure that you've got that network outside starting with your school starting with your teachers asking them for advice and guidance so that we can divert children away from that by keeping them busy and engaged in other ways Kalsum, I really appreciate your time uh, keep up the good work thank you very much Kalsum Bashir co-director of Inspire <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. One of the most terrifying things I've ever seen um, in the newspaper, page seven of the... Uh... You all right? Yeah. What's that noise? I'm printing some stuff off. What are you printing? Never you mind. Oh. One of the most terrifying pictures. I'm going to actually tweet it at Ian Lee if you want to, uh, to, to see it. And it really is... Um, it's it's just... Is it some dental work? Yeah, it's mm. absolutely hideous. It's Tony Blair's teeth. Tony Blair came out and gave a speech in support of Ed Miliband. People are arguing whether that's, that's going to be good or bad. I, 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 I couldn't care either way, to be honest. But 
The state of that man's teeth. He's uh, one of the richest men in this country, and he can't afford decent teeth. What's going on at the bottom? He looks like an old heroin addict with he, those teeth. Is he missing one at the bottom? He's missing one at the bottom. It's awful. They're not that bad. Oh, sorry? All right. You're having a laugh. Would yeah. you kiss that? No, of course I wouldn't. Oh, that's fine. You're I'm... going on like it was all gum and one... It's all gum Tooth. and um, um, no bum. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's awful. I bet we've had a rush of Texas since the last time we came to you for Texas, Catherine. Guess again. OK, I guess we have had a rush of Texas. All right, here's your rush. 81333, start your text 3CR. Here's your rush from John. Morning, John. Strongbow Draft Cider, Brunel Unibar, 1969. <laughs> hey, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Because that kicks off the conversation again. Thank you very much indeed. We didn't get to do this story and properly. this one. Yeah. Selena. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Good morning, Selena. Now I know why you are grandpy every day. I'm not an American grandfather. Dress like one. I mean, if ne you want me to read them all out, I'll read them all out. Never again the drinks we hate. Millions of Britons admit to a particular drink they cannot bear because of once overindulging in a drunken episode. For me, Thunderbird, which is a horrible drink anyway. American wine. <laughs> I remember I drank Thunderbird in Salt Hill Park in Slough with some mates and I was, I was like, whoa, I was 15 or 16. I mean, I was 18. 15 or 16, 16, 15, okay. 16. And I remember coming home and saying to my mum, Mum, I found the most amazing drink. You told your mum that? Told my mum about See, that. I used to be instantly sober as soon as I saw my parents mm, and well, then beat a retreat quickly up the stairs. Well, then a week later, I went to um, Adele's birthday party and Kerry was going to be there and I was madly in love with Kerry. She's the girl I went vegetarian for. Took a bottle of Thunderbird. I downed this bottle of Thunderbird. Impressive and romantic. Right. And um, then I ran off and bought a bottle of vodka, 16, and I, I downed that. And then I had my first ever alcoholic blackout. And I remember, I don't remember anything. I woke up, I had a chipped tooth. And that was apparently because my friends didn't believe I was drunk. I was going, I'll prove I'm drunk. Jump on my head. Jump on my head. And they, and they being mates, of course did. And th but I don't remember any of this. All I remember is, is seeing Kerry and then nothing. The next thing I remember is waking up, puking into the toilet and my mum saying, you are never leaving this house ever again. <laughs> then the next thing I remember is waking up in bed, uh, covered in, in sick and feeling absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. And I've had bits of the evening recounted to me. Boy, oh boy, did I... Uh, Disgrace yourself? I let myself down. Yeah. yeah, I let myself down. More than one in nine people have an aversion to a tipple such as gin or scotch, and 52% said they had drinking rules which covered their, governed their alcohol habits, according to a study by... Booze.com. Ask Jeeves. Oh, there they are. These included eccentricities. Oh, OK, we can do this. We'll, we'll, just, we'll get your drinks after the break, after the news. Uh, uh, but, dear listener, your drinks you can't drink and your drinking rules. These are some of the drinking rules. These included eccentricities, such as only drinking out of a certain glass in a pub and only drinking some drinks, such as Bailey's, at Christmas. Most common were abstaining on a school night, only drinking after a certain time, wine o'clock, not drinking at lunchtime, and only spending a certain amount on a supermarket wine. 08459 455 505. Your drinks you cannot touch, please, and your drinking rules. 
travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's busy on the M25 anti-clockwise between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 15 for the M4. Also, the M1 towards London's looking very slow through Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road. And the A1 southbound's very busy now from the St. Neots Junction to the Black Cat Roundabout. In Baldock on North Road into Baldock, that's looking very slow between Norton Mill Lane and Whitehorse Street. And on the trains, Belly Greater Anglia have hour-long delays through Bishop Stortford. And the Metropolitan Line has severe delays because of a signalling problem at Harrow on the Hill. Samantha Breath, BBC. Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30, I'm Simon Oxley. Researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. The charity Marie Curie commissioned the report. Labour is pledging to abolish the non-domicile rule which allows some wealthy individuals to limit the tax paid on earnings outside the UK. And passengers at London Luton Airport have been warned to expect disruption because of a strike by air traffic controllers in France. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Two goals in the opening five minutes from striker Will Grigg gave MK Dons a 2-0 win over Scunthorpe at Stadium MK last night. Baker inside the area. Rob Hall, great feet from Hall. Oh, what a great start from Rob Hall. It's an early goal and that all came from Baker and the debutant Rob Hall. It was Will Grigg who put it into the back of the net. Crawford through to Ali. Ali onside, does he go down? He looks for it and it's a penalty to MK Dons. Will Grigg, right footed and it's in the back of the net. Incredible start here at Stadium MK. The win closes the gap to second place Preston to five points, whilst Cole Robinson's side are themselves five points clear of fourth place Swindon, who lost at Bristol City. We knew they would be the fresher team going into this. We knew they had more energy than us because of the rest that they had. And we just felt that we had to put the game to bed really early on. Um, it worked. <laughs> it doesn't always work. In the Premier League, a hat-trick from Christian Benteke gave Aston Villa a three-all draw at home to fellow strugglers QPR. Tonight, Liverpool travel to Blackburn for their FA Cup quarter-final replay. The winners will face Aston Villa in the Wembley semi-final. Watford have sold out their ticket allocation for their matches at Nottingham Forest and Brighton, while the final championship game of the season at home to Sheffield Wednesday is close to selling out. Luton have cancelled the contract of defender Paul Connolly by mutual consent. Connolly signed last summer but has only made six appearances and Wickham boss Gareth Ainsworth has been shortlisted for the League Two Manager of the Month award for March. It's the final day of practice today for Rory McIlroy and company ahead of tomorrow's US Masters Golf. Ian Carter is at Augusta. McIlroy's bid for a career Grand Slam will begin in the company of three times champion Phil Mickelson. The Northern Irishman plays his first two rounds with Mickelson and another American Ryan Moore. They'll tee off at just after 20 to 4 UK time on Thursday. Tiger Woods waits until the penultimate grouping and plays alongside the Welshman Jamie Donaldson and the inform American Jimmy Walker. Defending champion Bubba Watson is among the earlier starters on Thursday and he'll be playing alongside Justin Rose. BBC Three Counties News and Sports, the next full bulletin is a Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Couldn't wait to get rid of him. He hadn't even finished. Off, oh, get out, Oxley. Do apologise, oh, Simon. How rude Simon. of me. How rude of me. So what's the drink that you can't drink and there why? There are loads. Tell me the story about you and your pants. Well, my student accommodation uh, in my fourth year. Uh, four years? What were you studying that took four years? French and Spanish year out, wasn't it? Oh, flipping it. 
So, uh, yeah, fourth year, should have known better. Yeah. Unfortunately, no, by then I was about up to tournament standard drinking. And, uh, yeah, red uh, Bacardi Breezer, one of those particularly sweet drinks <laughs> with a vivid red colour. So I'm in the front bedroom, which was mine, and it used to be the uh, old living room. It's got a massive kind of shop window scenario with a Victorian terrace. Really damp. I was always ill in that bedroom. This time, I was ill out of the window. And how did I get to the window? Well, only the top part of the window opened. At the time, I was wearing my undergarments. Wowzers. Sorry, neighbours. don't think there was even a net curtain. You anyway, so I ended up yeah, the out the top and um, was ill. So it was all down the window, basically? No, I managed to miss it. It was quite wow. a bit of force behind it. Yeah, gosh. I forgot about it. Next morning, uh, what are the pigeons eating? Flipping heck. Do not feed the birds. Toppings a bag. They weren't flying straight. Oy, oy, oy. Uh, your boozy uh, drink that you cannot drink anymore, please. Uh, 81333, start your text 3CR. You can give us a call. 08459 455 555. What have you got in the papers? Uh, Cliff Richard looking sad. I don't know he's why looking he's looking sad. sad. Isn't it? He's in Barbados. Oh, Justin's um, met Cliff Richard in Barbados. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's looking glum. Going on a summer holiday was once a prospect that thrilled Cl Cliff Richard. No, he was paid to do that face in yeah. summer holiday. Yeah. But on this occasion, the singer didn't appear to be enjoying his sunshine break. Oh, it's just a picture of a man on his holidays. Well, the thing is, we know that there are, you know, there are, you know, okay. We, storm clouds. There are storm clouds are gathering. There may be nothing, there may be something we don't know. Let's watch and see how that uh, progresses. But, also, it's a bloke, it's an old man in an airport. When have you ever seen a happy old man in an airport? The only time you see celebrities having a great time on holiday is when they're coming out of the surf, as if unaware that there's a cameraman there zooming in on their amazing beach body. I told you I got Al Jardine at LAX airport. Yeah. Al Jardine, the rhythm guitarist from the Beach Boys. Huge Beach Boy fan, and I saw him. I'd never seen a Beach Boy in real life at this stage in my life. You know, I've never been close to one. And I was so nervous, I thought, I've got to go and just say something. I'm not going to go for the selfie, I'm not going to go for even... Well, I was thinking about it all, I had a pen ready. And um, I built up this... I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I, I, I kind of followed him and I went, um, excuse me, Mr Jardine. Like, anybody's going to know his name, Mr Jardine. And he didn't know, I was behind him, he didn't know I could see his face. And he went... Ugh. Yeah, what do you want? And I just, I was crushed. In that moment, I was crushed, and I just went, thanks for the music. Oh. Thanks for the music. Can you believe that Al Jardine, who? Al Jardine'd me. If a celebrity ever treats you badly, it's, it's being Al Jardine. Here's something. Go on. The script to the film American Pie, Justin. Yeah. Has sold for £800,000. I was talking to my parents about this last night. Who on earth would pay £800,000 for a piece of paper? It's the script to American yeah, Pie, but which so is not what? that bad. It, you know, it's an alright film. It was alright. I don't think they needed to do that many more. No. It's not the film. I do apologise. It's the lyrics <laughs> to the song. I got it wrong. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. The original lyrics to one of Pop's most boring songs. Well, it's not boring. Come it on. Is it is. It's a classic. And it's been very useful to a lot of DJs who've needed to nip out for a toilet break. Or a fag, Justin. <laughs> yes. It is boring. That and um, Vincent. Mm. Starry, starry night. night. your picture. Boring song. McArthur's Park.
That's a good song, dude. Yeah, yeah, it makes well it, well, yeah. What was that, what was that cake though? It was a metaphor for life. Oh, was it? The original lyrics to one of Pop's most boring songs were sold at auction yesterday for £800,000. That's amazing. £800,000. I don't get it. I still don't get why somebody would pay that amount of money for a piece of paper. Just this go to your collection, put it on, listen to it, enjoy it. Job done. Don, uh, Don McLean, right, not the uh, Christian broadcaster from this country. He's present Pebble Mill and Work on Radio 2. The American singer-songwriter. Listen to the bullshine excuse he's come up with for selling this, right? Don McLean had the 16 pages of handwritten notes and typed drafts for his 1971 masterpiece, American Pie, in a box at his home. He said he was selling them to inspire young songwriters to think about every word in a song. Yeah, you, right. were, you were selling it for $1.2 million. Yeah, for the cash. Cash is king. Flipping heck. They reveal a lost verse, which they've printed here, and is rubbish. It's not a lost verse. It wasn't good enough. And there I stood, alone and afraid. I dropped to my knees and there I prayed. Oh, good rhyme, mate. <laughs> and I promised him anything I could give, if only he would make the music live. And he promised it would live once more, but this time one would equal four. It's about the Beatles. Oh. And in five years, four had come to mourn and the music was reborn. And we were singing... Bye bye, Miss American Pie. I drove the Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And good old boys is drinking whiskey and rye. Singing, This'll be the day that I die. This'll be the day that I die. I give lots of money to my family and my will. There we go. £800,000. What a raising. What a ripoff. <laughs> What have you been ripped off buying? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double. Oh, by the way, we're still doing kids science today. Kids science. What science? Did you do any uh, science experiments at home as a youngster? Uh, no. Well, uh, you well, never made like stink bombs and stuff. Um, I set fire to a few things when I was younger. Kids science. What did you set yeah. fire to, and why? Uh, it was a bush, and um, I got caught, and of I never it was did a it bush. again. What was yeah. I thinking? Yes. Why did you do it? Um, I don't know. I was just experimenting as kids do, but I, kids don't do that. No, but. No, I had an email from um, Tony, who started this whole thing off yesterday. Yeah, with the magnet in his stomach. He, 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 uh, his sister made him swallow a magnet to see if a spoon would stick to his stomach. <laughs> that is genius. He sent me, uh, like, basically, an essay. Uh, he's done lots of experiments. Oh. He doesn't list the microwave, uh, the, the uh, light bulb in a glass of water in a microwave. I'm not saying do it. Oh, gosh. I'm not saying do it. Um, he's done loads of experiments, and most of them involve fire. Mm. See how long it takes for bread to set on fire in the toaster. Um, um, Has this guy got house insurance, by <laughs> the chance? Is he writing to us from some sort of secure environment? See if you can put out a fire with a jet of water from a fairy liquid bottle. <laughs> if that doesn't work, all pee into the fire. See what the hardest fruit or vegetable is by playing cricket with it. <laughs> <laughs> I would play that game. To oh, be we fair. did. We did start. We did drop biscuits out of windows, didn't we? At one point, that was a big thing here. Yeah. To see which ones were the hardest. You yep. won't be surprised to know that the uh, ginger nut fared very well. Try see how many monster munch you can put into your mouth without breaking one. Mm. Um, put ping pong balls into a vacuum pipe and put it on blow. This makes a good machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> Kid science. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You got a story, Catherine? Swats. Do booze. Swaragans. 
Oh. Swearagans. Why, what's why are you most... doing that when uh, Justin's on the well, line? What's the yeah. most arrogant of birds, Justin? Uh, the most arrogant birds? Begins um, with a swear. Begins with a swear. To be quite honestly, I've got no problem with birds. Hang on. Swans. It's a peacock. That, my friends, is the sound of a peacock. That is literal arrogance. No, no, peacocks are not arrogant because oh, they're, they're, no, they're also very friendly creatures mate. and they respect you. They respect you as human they're beings. Most birds showing do. their tails. Yeah, because they're beautiful, but but they do it in a nice way. It's not kind oh. of, hey, look at me, guys. He I'm this, I'm that, you know. Do you know what it is? It's a, go on, have a look at that. Yeah. Mm. Get a load of that. Yeah. It's like Justin. You like this? <laughs> you like? Go on, swans. His granddad was so vicious that he became oh. known as Mr. Asbo and had to be moved away from the river where he was attacking rowers. Yep. His dad, Mr. Asboy, was renowned for snapping at swimmers and even tried to take on a cow. Now a third generation of the same swan family has been terrorising those who venture onto the river cam in Cambridge. As baby... Oh, is as baby, that is good! ...still bearing his signet plumage, but has been seen pecking punters, pinching their food and oh. even trying to take handbags. Some say he's even more vicious than Mr Asbo. He sticks his neck right into the punts and boats to nip passengers, says you can't, you can't eat them. Harry Crossell, the queen. 65. Once I even saw him put his beak around a bottle of champagne. Boy. Boy. Another resident, Simon Patterson, 52, in case you were wondering, said locals were worried he could get worse as he gets stronger. If he continues, someone could get really hurt, he said. Who's doing the PR? For, is this the, the cam? Yeah. Because there was a story about a woman falling into the cam on a punt... Um, uh, 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 silly punt, uh, punter fell into the river yesterday or the day before. I, What's going on? I think it's the uh, puntsman. Is that what they're called? Be so careful. Is that what they're called? M yeah, sure, why not? Punters. The Puntalinos. The... Staying out of this one. I know, yeah. I'm, I'm backing away from it. <laughs> yep. Justin, booze. Yes, boss. Yes. Um, you got talking about that earlier on. Yeah. Um, a couple of stories in the papers Hang today. On, Catherine's got one. Can you say it on the radio? <laughs> no. OK, carry on, Justin. Okay. Uh, about drinks, alcoholic drinks we've had in the past, which have given us such bad memories, we can yeah. never have that drink again. Yeah. Now, before we play the street report, I'm not a parent. Um, a quick question Thank to you God. two. Yeah. Hang on, that's coming in the future. I just like practising for the time being. Oh, uh, Justin! It means changing nappies. Yes. What what I would say is, have you ever given your babies whiskey, small amounts, to get them to sleep? No. No. Uh, my my father-in-law has tried to give tried to give the it would dip his finger in the whiskey and try and give it to the kids. Okay. He's a doctor, and I would have a right go at him. I think yep. it was done to me. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's Thanks what happened on the streets this morning. The guy in the middle, quite interesting. Take a listen. Scott, we're going back to your youth here. When you first started drinking, what can you never touch again because of what? happened to you? Whiskey, yeah, made me very ill. <laughs> How much did you drink of it? Uh, nearly half a litre. <laughs> How long are you ill for? Um, I felt ill for about a month. What? A month? Yeah. Never, ever again? No, definitely not. <laughs> man, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. What about you, man, and what's the drink that you could never have again? Uh, absinthe. I don't know if you know what it is. Oh, no, I know absinthe. I had it once when I was abroad, never again. <laughs> How ill were you? Very much. <laughs> very, yeah. I got almost unconscious. And the next day, it was a very bad, bad hangover. It's whiskey. What happened? When I was about five... Well, hang on a minute here. <laughs> <laughs> five years old. Right, carry on. It's supposed to be one of these things where they reckon you can put toddlers to sleep with it. And one particular night, couldn't sleep and mum and dad had some friends around and some said oh give him a tot of whiskey that'll do it oh my goodness 
I thought somebody was stripping the back of my throat with sandpaper. It was just horrible. Wow, at five years old. I mean, do you still talk to your parents about that <laughs> night? What were they doing? What were they thinking? They were doing what somebody else told them. Do you think that person was having a joke? I don't know, because I've heard it since. Really? Yeah, somebody reckons... I heard somebody suggest once... Like, like little, you know, little baby's bottle of milk, just... Obviously, for a baby, you need even... Like, just a little... And they reckon it, it sends you to sleep. Can I just say, I don't condone this, but... Um, <laughs> that was when you was five years old. So, at five years old, that's an unusual one. So, ever since the age of five... Yeah. Can't believe we're having this conversation. Um, you've never been able to touch whiskey again? Nope. Not a drop. What a story that is. I was thinking you was going to say you was 18 years old, you was out with your friends, but no, you was five years old and your parents were giving you whiskey to get you off to sleep. Yep. Well, you've survived. Have a good day. Yeah, and you. <laughs> uh, vodka and coke. I don't like vodka. <laughs> okay. You've had a bad experience, Doc. Uh, and come on, Doc. Man to man. Yeah. Skinny jeans. Would you wear them? No. It doesn't suit me. <laughs> Excellent, Justin. Take the jeans to the streets, please. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's busy on the M25 anti-clockwise between Junction 20 for King Sangley and 18 for Chorleywood. In Borehamwood on the A1 southbound there are queues between the Holiday Inn and the Stirling Corner and also in Mill Hill on Watford Way. That's looking very slow southbound between the Apex Corner and Mill Hill Circus. On the A1 southbound it's very slow around the Black Cat Roundabout from the St Neas Junction and on the trains at Belly of Greater Anglia are still reporting hour-long delays through Bishop Stortford and that's uh, tickets are being accepted on Great Northern services though. On the a London Underground the Metropolitan Line still has severe delays because of a signalling problem at Harrow on the Hill. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sammy. 7.47, Wednesday the 8th of April, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. Labour says everyone living permanently in Britain should pay tax on everything they earn, even if the money is earned overseas. And train services in East Hertfordshire are being delayed after a person was hit by a train between Bishop Stortford and Stansted Mount Fitchett. 08459 555. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's not a bad start. Quite chilly for some, but not quite as chilly as yesterday. So the sun's shining and we'll see plenty of it today. Sunny spells through the afternoon, perhaps a little more cloud than yesterday. The temperature's still reasonable. We've got light winds. It's going to feel nice and warm with the maximum getting up to around 16, maybe 17 Celsius. Overnight tonight, a really nice end to the day. Some evening sunshine and then overnight clear skies means very chilly Temperatures dropping down, possibly a little bit of grass frost tomorrow morning in the more rural locations, but Townsend City staying around five or six. So tomorrow morning we could see a bit of mist and fog. That will clear fairly swiftly. It'll lift and then the cloud will break. We'll get some nice uh, sunshine tomorrow afternoon. Maximum temperature for tomorrow could reach 18 Celsius. A similar day for Friday, but then it starts to change. Some rain overnight Friday into Saturday. Saturday could start off rather grey, but it gets better. But the wind's coming from another direction. Despite the sunshine through Saturday afternoon, it will feel that little bit fresher. That's your forecast. Thank you, Kate. 
Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. Tip top etiquette expert William Hansen, who is not a fan of politicians oversharing. Oh, good afternoon, Roberto. I feel slightly nauseous. <laughs> Every weekday from three. Let's talk to Harriet Harman, the leader of the Labour Party. We've been in Bedford and Cambridge, and we've had very interesting discussions. Let's talk cold callers. Do you have a tried and tested method of getting rid of cold callers? You've got to make up a word before you go on the phone, and so you can fit that word in without them realising in the most time. Saying um actually helps you feel calmer. Do you believe this show? Definitely. And since I read that, I've been doing it and I'm well chilled. Roberto <laughs> Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. People living on a mobile home park in Hertfordshire say they're fed up with still not being able to get the problems resolved on the site. The residents of Newlands Park near Hemel say it's been over a year since the bases of some of their homes were reported as cracked to the owners. We went there, didn't we, a while yeah. ago, Catherine? You've been there again more recently. Uh, they also want action over possible water leaks, access to bills and a way of communicating with the owners which isn't via their lawyers. Uh, Catherine, it's still going on, is it? Yeah, I went back to Newlands Park uh, last week and the bases of the trailers are still cracked and crumbling. Remember we spoke to a guy who was regularly climbing underneath his uh, mobile yeah. home and propping it up with bits of yes, wood. Yes, we saw it. Very rickety. Um, it's still happening. In fact, it seems to be getting worse in his case. But that chap has had uh, enough of complaining and he's withdrawn his support from the campaign uh, to get anything done because he just says he's got no strength to fight it anymore. Um, uh, and uh, also, we've been speaking to the leader of the Residents Association, Mick Deemed. Uh, he says he's still trying to get something done. Uh, all he can do, because, uh, you know, it's mobile phones which are often switched off, mm. is writing to the site owners because at least then he's got some proof that uh, he's been attempting to make contact because he says the bases in particular are their responsibility and they're not just stepping up to sort it out. In fact, they've not even been answering his letters. Now, underneath those um, static homes, there are gas and waste pipes and some of them are twisting under the weight uh, of, of the um, of the caravans. They he's got, worried about what might happen. They've got problems with the electrics as well and other bits and pieces going yeah, wrong. Yeah, electrical system. There was a fire, electrical fire at one point after which a large section of cable was replaced. Uh, there's also continuous water leaks, sewerage blockage and, and uh, as a result some of the residents have had raw sewage on their gardens. Beautiful. Really high water bills as well, uh, which they suspected was down to leaks. Uh, thankfully the water company is aware of what's happening and here's what Mick Deans told me last week. The problem we have is that the water company have said that they accept the word of the owners that they have repaired all the leaks. Uh, again dubious. Um, we we are not uh, satisfied with that because they, there have been two or three leaks uh, recently which um, you know, have been a problem, including a sewage leak uh, just opposite me. Sounds like a nightmare, Mick. Why do you stay? Because I, I quite like the site. Um, I've got good neighbours. I mean, um, you know that last time when I was here, uh, my leg was in plaster. Well, some of the neighbours came round and built a ramp for me to um, make access to my home uh, easier and it is and and there is a good spirit around here uh, even though we feel that we are not being properly served by um, 
Should we just say outside agencies? Uh, we've spoken to another park home site, have we? Yeah, we wanted to compare the experience that they're having at Newlands Park with a similar place in Bedfordshire. Now, the manager there told us that if all of this happened on his site, the council would be on top of them like a ton of bricks. If the base of a home wasn't repaired, they would have had a letter from the council and uh, he added that they're required to produce copies of water bills and electricity bills to the residents. Uh, and the latest, because well, the council weren't getting involved, were they? This saying it wasn't rivers. their responsibility. And the park owners, well, I, I chased one once and he drove off at high speed. And we've had letters returned that we've sent in. Oh. The residents say the owners now refuse to talk to them and they've had letters to return to them. You know, they've had a, a try via letter. We have to. Oh, grow up, guys. Uh, Seriously, grow up. The owners have told the residents that all communication to them now must be in writing oh. through their solicitors. Oh. And also Mick Deans has been told that because he's not a lawyer, he's unlikely to get a response. Oh, for goodness sakes. So Mick's hoping there might be someone listening now who is a lawyer and might be up for helping them free charge. We would like to continue the fight, but as an association, we really haven't got, got the funds. Um, and I think that uh, this is probably known by the owners um, who will win by default if we can't take this any further. Um, so I'm hoping that there is somebody out there that... Uh, likes a fight for right. This, this has become something of a mission for you, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I feel quite upset at um, some of the lack of help that we've had. There are people that have been excellent to us, like yourselves, um, like Anne Main, and uh, a few other people that have been you know, really promising. But the official bodies that are supposed to help uh, really don't want to know. So we've not just written to the owners, we've also uh, rung them several times and left messages. No one's returned our call. Uh, Three Rivers District Council we also contacted. Uh, they say that there's no statement to be made as to the lack of communication as it's not within the remit of the licence and therefore the council's responsibility. For information, there is now a site warden there now who the residents can speak to and she will then relay all the uh -huh. details to the site's partners. Uh, the Mobile Homes Act 2013 gives councils the power to enforce repairs, but they're not duty-bound to do so. Nice one, guys. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, I think these guys that I'm about to bring to your attention are geniuses. Genie, you seen these fellas? Rescued two men at sea in a dodgy nine-pound boat made of foam and coat hangers. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> Why are we attacking these blokes? When we talk about people, young people being lazy and lacking initiative, they had a go. It looks like a boat. I mean, this is like the sort of more common version of swallows and Amazons. <laughs> Isn't it? It was a fishing trip with a very big catch. <laughs> Namely, they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to feed them, themselves and their families. How can you knock that? Namely, the nine-pound homemade rowing boat in which the two anglers ventured out, ventured out onto the open sea. Built with discarded scraps from house conversions... including loft insulation board and polystyrene. It was glued together with silicon sealant. Now, obviously, this was never... It looks like a boat. It's a boat shape. Obviously, this was never going to work. It looks like a cake, is what it looks like. Amazingly, the six-foot vessel held together long enough for the men to set up their rods and haul in some fish. So it did work. But they were scuppered. Literally. The boat didn't... The boat survived. They were scuppered when an oar snapped 200 yards off Jaywick, Essex, and they had to call 999. What they made the oar out of? Lollipop sticks? Or matches? A lifeboat crew arrived to find neither man wearing a life jacket and one unable to swim. So? that's in a boat. That's society's fault. That's not his fault he can't swim. What, people who can't swim shouldn't be allowed to go in boats? Despite the experience... 
One of the men yesterday pledged to return to the water with another homemade boat. This is brilliant. I genuinely think these guys are brilliant. Jamie Toms, 27, a self-employed builder. Well, I wouldn't want him doing my house if that's what it looks like. Said, I'm already thinking about doing it again. But next time, I'll get a little engine instead of oars. Right. Everyone's laughing at them. You're laughing at them now. No, I'm not. I'm laughing because he's going to get a little engine. Top Gear. <laughs> now, Top Gear have done worse than that, and they're multi-millionaires. The bow itself was solid. It was waterproof. We took it out the day before, and we were in it for I'm two dying, or three hours. I'm dying to know what the oars were made of. And it floated, no problem. The long and short of it is that this time one of the oars snapped. They were proper oars, but one snapped at the joint, so we were stranded with only one oar. I called 999 as I was worried for my mate. He can't swim. He was panicking and shaking because it was so cold, so I was more concerned for his safety than my own. If it was just me out there, I would have tried to swim to shore. What's the worst that could have happened? I would have drowned. <laughs> if it was just me out there, I would have tried to swim to shore. What's the worst that could happen? I would have drowned. That's quite bad. That's quite a bad thing that could have happened. He's, only, he's either going to be partly alive, fully alive, or dead. This, this guy, a, a man, someone, a TV company, get a boat and, and take this and film it. Too he's many he's in a, a boat. genius. Two men in a boat. Mr. Tom's added, we're just two lads who are bored and wanted to make a boat. Why not? Forget Robson Green, right? This is the sort of fishing programme I would watch. It's better than going out and doing drugs and committing crime. Yeah, it is. I was quite calm, as I'd already been in that situation before. In about 2006, <laughs> me and a few mates bought a rubber dinghy and got peed up. Oh. As we wanted to see how far we could get out before needing to be rescued. <laughs> Oh, they're geniuses. Kath, you got 30 seconds. What you got? IKEA bosses in China have been forced to ban customers from sleeping in beds in store <laughs> after hundreds of weary shoppers started taking naps. I've been tempted. Oh. They're normally very short, those beds, but if you took your knees up, you'd be fine. Well, but it's in China, isn't it? They're tiny over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, there is that. Follows reports that the Beijing branch has started to resemble a sleepover party. <laughs> <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still very busy on the M25 anti-clockwise between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 15 for the M4. In Brickywood, the North Orbital Road is looking very slow too round the M25 Junction 21A roundabouts. And on the speed sensors, the A1 southbound is looking busy from the St. Leas Junction to the Black Cat roundabout. On the trains, the Belly of Greater Anglia still have hour-long delays through Bishop Stortford because of an incident. And But tickets are being accepted on Great Northern services between King's Cross and the Cambridge services. The Metropolitan Line has severe delays because of a signal problem and Luton Airport has possible delays to flights to and from France because of strike action by air traffic controllers there. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, and you think you're so good, you talk into the news. Not my job, mate. No, I know it's not your job, but you sit here mocking me for my skills. That's Sammy, and now, in a few oh. seconds, you see, you get some news from Simon Oxley. In about... One, two, two seconds. Three. What was that? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's eight o'clock. The headlines report says palliative care system needs major overhaul. Hertfordshire delays after person hit by train. And MK Dons maintain promotion challenge. BBC Three Counties Radio. Researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. The charity Marie Curie commissioned the report. In Bedfordshire, ambulance crews receive extra specialist training which aims to allow more people to remain at home rather than face a trip to hospital. Clive Goodson is from the East of England Ambulance Service. Using our ambulance crews, the um, people registered the scheme has gone up because our crews are now referring people straight to the scheme. So it, it doesn't matter if you've got cancer or any illness, we want people to get the best palliative care possible, which we believe this scheme is doing. Train services in East Hertfordshire are being delayed after a person was hit by a train between Bishop Storford and Stansted Mount Fitchett. Delays to the Abellio Greater Anglia service are expected until around 10 o'clock. Labour is pledging to abolish the non-domicile rule, which allows some wealthy individuals to limit the tax paid on earnings outside the UK. Party leader Ed Miliband will say the rule makes Britain an offshore tax haven. Here's Paul Rowley. Overall, it affects about 100,000 people. The Conservatives argue just to scrap this status altogether means that many people who already pay a large chunk of their earnings in tax here anyway could well move all their money abroad and you end up with the revenue actually getting less in in tax as a result. But politically, it's an attempt by Labour to, I suppose, embarrass the uh, uh, David Cameron's rich friends and also differentiate themselves from the Tories. Elsewhere, the Conservatives have promised to introduce resits for pupils who get poor results in their SAT tests at the end of primary school. Passengers at London Luton Airport have been warned to expect disruption today because of a strike by air traffic controllers in France. Luton-based EasyJet is cancelling nearly 120 flights. Investigations are continuing after jewellery and diamonds thought to be worth millions of pounds were stolen in a major raid in central London. Police say thieves used heavy cutting equipment as part of the robbery in the Hatton Garden area at some point over the Easter bank holiday weekend. More from Andy Moore. The big question, how much was stolen? Well, that depends on how many boxes were broken into. There were hundreds in the vault. The raiders may have had the whole bank holiday weekend to go through many of them. And then there's the question of, of how much was in each box, and the police won't even know that until they talk to the owners today. Uh, there are reports that there was one diamond worth half a million pounds in just one box. So the papers are talking about 60 million, 100 million, even 200 million pounds worth of goods were stolen. And if that is the case, then it would be one of the biggest high ever in UK history. In sport, two goals in the opening five minutes from striker Will Grigg gave MK Dons a 2-0 win over Scunthorpe at Stadium MK. The win leaves Carl Robinson's side five points behind second place Preston in the race for automatic promotion. Every time we play, first thing, what, Preston, 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 Preston. And I'm not going to hide that from anybody. It's, it's true, we're... All we cared about was we're focused on Preston. The weather, another dry and warm day with plenty of sunshine, a maximum temperature 17 degrees Celsius, and you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Simon Oxley. Morning, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Busy show this morning. What drink can't you drink because you got drunk on it one night once? Drinking rules. Skinny jeans, ripped knees at the jeans. Oh, and, and you know the rules. Anything you fancy, you can call up for any odds. We throw this stuff out there 
But you can call up with anything that's bumping around in your head. 08459 455555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. You can text as well, 81333. Start your text 3. So, Catherine, you want to throw something else into the mix? Have you ever slept in a shop? Hey, because of the Chinese. Because of the, the IKEA ban on people getting into the beds. Now, I've been tempted, but I've never actually done it. You know Jonathan Vernon Smith? Yeah. You aware of him? Works here sometimes. When he buys a new mattress, yeah. he gets on the mattress in the shop yeah. and he has a nap on there. I, I, I get on there and kind of Well, you have lie a feeling and go, yeah, it's a bed, it's, it's all right. But he'll actually try a nap. He's, I mean, he's... He's an extraordinary gentleman. Some of the, you know, do you hear him the other day when he was he said he took his dog to Oxford Street? I was in Oxford Street yesterday, it's very busy. Mm. And he took his dog to Oxford Street. What? I, I was, and I was, I, I had this in mind as I was walking down Oxford Street. Did not see one dog. No one takes their dog for a walk in central London unless they're going to one of the fine parks. Took his dog for a walk in Oxford Street? That's like dog banzai, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's arrogance. That's, that's animal arrogance. Animal arrogance. Call me now. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. What uh, have you ever fallen asleep in a shop? Kids science we're doing after uh, we uh, had a text yesterday from Tony, whose older sister made him uh, eat a magnet to see if a spoon would stick to his stomach. Kids science as well, please. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You've got plenty of texts. Can I come to them in a few minutes? Yeah, I've got some hideous stories. Oh here. dearie, dearie me. We'll get those uh, in a moment. The UK's palliative care system needs a major overhaul. That's according to a report commissioned by the charity Marie Curie. It says there are widespread inequalities in care, suggesting that those with non-cancer conditions are receiving considerably less end-of-life care than those with cancer. Joined now by Jim Taggart from Hertfordshire, whose wife died of cervical cancer last year, aged 58. Morning, Jim. Good morning. Uh, your wife's name, I don't know it. What it's was Mary. it? Mary. OK, thank you very much indeed. Uh, she received palliative care from the Isabel Hospice in Hertfordshire. What, when, did, um, when did she start to get ill and what happened? Well, uh, the, she started to get ill, um, obviously got normal cancer symptoms, uh, had to go through a course of chemotherapy, radiotherapy, brachiotherapy, uh, which lasted approximately nine to ten weeks. And then after that, the uh, palliative care kicked in because, unfortunately, the treatment didn't work. And what kind of palliative care was she getting? Did you have to ask for it, or, or, or was it given automatically? No, in, in our particular experience, um, we uh, got the, you know, the bad news that the treatment hadn't worked, and literally within about an hour, we were put through to uh, an admin person who uh, literally filled out the forms. You can imagine you're in a bit of a daze this time. Yeah. Um, and then within a week, we had... Um, Somebody from palliative care, uh, I think it was Isabel Hospice, visited our home and uh, they just complete all the paperwork and, and basically give you an overview of what will happen from there on in. Uh, the thing is, at that time, you're sort of, even though you've had treatment, you're still fairly healthy. You know, you look OK yeah. and you probably just don't believe what's happening. And from there on in, it's really a case of um, them setting out the parameters of what they can do, uh, really explaining that when you go to a hospice, it's, um, you know, which you will have to do eventually, that, of course, it's nothing to fear in the initial stages because it's, it's Things like pain management. Um, it must be quite daunting for a couple to have to take that in, knowing that, that one of those, you know, one of you, the person you love the most in the world is at some point going to die. 
Oh yeah, yeah, it's an absolute um, you know blow, blow to the stomach, believe me. Uh, and you're, you're sitting there, and I think in the initial stages, uh, you know, there's definitely denial is there, and uh, you know because you're looking at the individual, and as I say, to all intensive purposes, they're just like you and me. They're just sitting there, fully dressed, can can move, can talk, can do everything. Uh, but unfortunately, the disease is fairly quick. Um, in, in, in our, well, I say fairly quick. In our case, it lasted about uh, 15 months, approximately 15 months of palliative care. And during that time, of course, you steadily get worse. Mm. And then uh, the, the initial effects are, of course, the effects of the treatment, which unfortunately really, really mess up your body quite a bit. And you need a, a hell of a lot of care for that. And the first care is pain management, uh, because unfortunately, the you know whatever you get from the GP, uh, you know your normal paracetamols and things, and did just have ain't going to cut it, is it? You need you need something a lot stronger. Than that, um, how important was it for both of you, you and Mary, that, that that you got this care? What difference did it make to both your lives? Well, to, to, I suppose initially it, it's the pain management because you you are absolutely desperate. You know, there's no doubt about it. You um, there's nothing that works. Uh, and uh, the the pain management is when they will initially have some people maybe visit you at home. And as I say, this is my experience of it. They'll visit you at home uh, maybe once a week or twice a week as necessary. But then when the pain gets so much or the condition and the symptoms get so bad, then uh, you go into the hospice for um, uh, you know a, a, an unspecified amount of time. Mm. And I think in my wife, if I remember correctly, in my wife's um, uh, initial stages, it was about I think between two and four weeks. And of course, what, what the difference is, you have focused care. You literally have doctors there, not not exactly when you want them, but they are very accessible. Mm. And of course, you've got around-the-clock care as well that you just don't get in a normal hospital. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with a normal hospital. It's just that they're not really geared for terminal illnesses at that stage. Um, so obviously, her comfort, uh, Mary's comfort, was 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 paramount importance. Uh, uh, it, it, it's a really, listen. My my dad died a couple of years ago of cancer, and he was in hospice. And it it, it just takes a lot of, a load off the family as well, doesn't it? Oh, for sure. I mean, th- 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 there's a huge emotional upset, as you can imagine. And you're looking, as you say, the person that you think the world of. You know, you're looking at that person every day. And I suppose, from a family point of view, you're pretty helpless. Um, the the uh, t- when a person goes into a hospice, I mean, I- I've got to be honest. My my before this happened, my impression of a hospice was that when you go in there, you don't come out. Mm. Uh, you know, and of course, that's not. And as I say, my experience, it, it, it's not the case. My, my wife had, a, I think, three three separate um, spells in. The hospice um but but the the respite is 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 definitely there because of course the individual suffering from mary's disease um there's a lot of things happen to your body which are just not very pleasant at Mm. all and you know you 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 do or a patient does get to the stage where they're really not capable of doing things for themselves and that that part of it is fairly quick how are you doing now jim yeah, I suppose getting on with it, really. I've had, um, you know, about roughly six, six months since Mary died. But uh, when, you, when you look back, and hindsight's a great thing, you look back, and, of course, you, you, you do realise that the individual that you know has probably started dying or, you know, changing maybe a good 12 months before they actually die. Mm. So, um, yeah, of course, it's still, it's still difficult, of course it is, you know. But uh, I think, really, you just, as, as they say at the hospice, take it a day at a time. Thanks for sharing uh, your stories about That's Mary okay. with us, Jim. Yeah. Thank you, mate. Oh, dear. Uh, let's speak to... Thank you very much. Uh, told excellently, Jim. Let's speak to Scott Sinclair from Marie Curie. Morning, Scott. 
Good morning, Ian. Uh, so um, that's uh, d- d- kind of typical of, would you say, of those people with cancer. Jim's wife obviously had cancer, and it, the, the report is suggesting that, that, that people with cancer, well, they get better palliative care than, than, than perhaps others. I think the, the crucial thing is that people with cancer can get better care than others. So it's not always the case. Uh, and it was, it was very nice to hear that the hospice was there in that situation to provide um, some, obviously some very much needed pain relief and, and, and round the clock care. But that's not always the case for people with cancer. Uh, and we know it's uh, especially harder for people with non-cancer conditions as well. So it, the, the people with non-cancer conditions, so people with dementia and heart conditions in particular, the, 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 they, the, their palliative care treatment is generally nowhere near as good. Is that what the report's saying? Basically, it's saying that if you if you don't have a cancer condition, you, you're you less likely to get good palliative care services. So that's not to say that people uh, with, say, dementia or with, with uh, heart disease haven't had uh, really good palliative care. It's just saying that... You, you, you don't have, you don't stand as good a chance of getting that palliative care. Why is that? Is that money? Is it because the, the, a lot of money is is now you know in the last twenty years or so being put towards cancer? What is it? I think it's a really really complex situation, and I think probably one of the key issues is that um, particularly for say dementia and and heart disease, two very good examples. It's very very hard to diagnose when someone's in the last year or six months of life. Whereas with cancer, I think there's that kind of established. Um, prognostic tool, the understanding uh, that doctors have that they can, you know, reasonably estimate when someone is in that last year of life. Whereas uh, with heart disease uh, and dementia, it's 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 much less easy to do. Of course, with dementia, there are issues about, um, you know, being able to communicate properly with the person who's suffering from dementia. Uh, and so I feel sometimes that doctors aren't perhaps aren't as comfortable referring to palliative care services when they're not sure that the patient is approaching uh, the final stage of their life. How do we change it, Scott? What do we do? Well, I think um, overall there is a shortage of palliative care services in the country. So one of the things the report really highlights is says it estimates there are about 100,000 people in the UK at the moment who don't receive um, palliative care services that they could benefit from, and that's only going to get worse as as time goes on because obviously with the ageing population, people uh, we're going to have more people dying every year and dying with more complex needs. So obviously I think we need to do more uh, in terms of getting uh, people to be able to access palliative care service services. Part of that is about investment, but it's also partly about um, supporting doctors to be able to refer patients onto palliative care services. And also, I think, breaking away from this idea that palliative care services are just for the last weeks or months of life. So what Mary Curie really wants to do is uh, emphasise that actually um, terminal illness is something that a lot of us will experience in our life and uh, we want people who are terminal to be able to live well as long as possible. And so palliative care plays a role right from the point of diagnosis. Scott, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Scott Sinclair from Marie Curie. 08459 555 is the phone number. We'll get your phone calls and your texts after a bit of the trav. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M25 anti-clockwise, it's slow from junction 17 for Maple Cross to 15 for the M4. And the A1M southbound is slow now from junction 7 for Hitchin to si- uh, six for si- uh, 8 for Hitchin to 7 for Stevenage. In Mark 8, the A5 southbound is looking very busy on the speed sensors between Lynch Hill and the M1 junction 9 at Redbourne. But no reports any problems on the M1 at the moment. The A1 southbound looks very busy on the speed sensors between the St. Nate's junction and the Black Cat roundabouts. And on the trains, the Metropolitan line still has severe delays after a
a signalling problem earlier, and Greater Anglia and the Stansted Express are being affected by hour-long delays through Bishop's Dorford. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, I like that one, Sammy. That was a good one, man. Eight fifteen. The oh look, Jonathan Vernon Smith has turned up. Not on time. Early. What's going on? What's that all about? This is unprecedented behaviour. Just want to spend quality time with you. Oh, shall I just play a song? Shall I play American Pie and we'll have a chat? Yeah, why not? Okay, let me find American Pie. No, don't really. Oh, okay, that's okay. Researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. Labour says everyone living permanently in Britain should pay tax on everything they earn, even if the money is earned overseas. And train services in East Hertfordshire are being delayed after a person was hit by a train between Bishop Stortford and Stansted Mount Fitchett. Three Counties Radio. I was in Oxford Street yesterday. Were you? And I was looking. I was scouring the streets. Looking for a dog? Did not see one dog, apart from a homeless fella that was begging. Right. I did not see one. Are you one of those people that um, you, you go down to London in your Land Rover, you park it up, mm. then you put on your scruffy clothes, then you sit in the doorway, you make 500 quid from begging, and then go back to your posh luxury <laughs> house? Is that you, you one of them? Are you suggesting I'm some kind of tramp? I'm suggesting you're a, a, a plastic tramp, yes. No, I no, I've never is that, gone. Is that how you make your money? Because it's not from doing this. Trust me, I know, <laughs> I know. I've never gone to London and begged. You sure? Not for a long time. <laughs> Big issue. Big issue. No, no, that? no that's not me. You sure? Because I, I didn't see any you. dogs in London apart from tramps' dogs. Really? Yeah. Well, you don't get very many. You get uh, no, tramps have dogs, and then you get these, uh, you know, these silly dogs. Hmm? You know, What's these women dog? who walk along with their little dogs. Oh, in their handbag. They look like, you know, cotton wool buds with legs, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Why would you put a dog in a handbag? Why don't you I get don't cats know. in handbags? I don't know. Yeah. Fun times. These um, are the questions that have puzzled philosophers. But you don't see many proper dogs in London. No. Well, mind you, if you go to some areas, you get these status dogs. Well, no. Well, you're talking about council estates and... Um, uh, well, not necessarily. Well, where are you talking about then? Well, I saw I saw a chat with a, a status dog in Regent's Park on Saturday. So on, a big, to... on a big chain. I gave him one of my looks. So, but why did you... you there's a reason you don't see dogs in central London. Because nobody wants them there. So take them to the fine parks, the high parks, the Regent's parks. The I don't know, there might be others in London. I'm not that bothered, really. But don't take them to the shopping districts. That's out of order. That's selfish. That's selfish dog ownership. I think people who live in London, they just have a different kind of life. Yes, they do. Don't they? They have an interesting, cool life. Do you, <laughs> I live in London do you for reckon? I had an interesting, cool life. I moved out. Ah, uh, boring. No, I don't think yeah. so. I, th- I hated living in London. Hated it. I miss it. Do, really? Do yeah, you? Yeah, I do, actually, yeah. Do you? Why, why do you prop- miss about London? No one talks to you. Yep. Everyone's miserable. Oh, yep. actually, now yes. it's uh, now it's <laughs> Now it's making sense. Well, this is home to me. Anyway, what's on your show today? Um, well, this is an interesting story. I know it's something that you touched on a few weeks ago, but yeah. the story has developed. I'm going to be asking from nine today. Do you mind if Jews tie a wire round Bushy? Oh. A letter criticising a Jewish campaign to turn a Hertfordshire town into a protected Jewish area has been shared online around the Jewish world. Two weeks ago, we learnt that Jewish people in Bushy were campaigning to put posts and a wire boundary around the area to show it as a Jewish community. This wire, known in Jewish cultural tradition as an Eruv, 
you remember it now? Is this story? Yeah, I remember, I remember it perfectly. Yes, yes, of course. Has been criticised as unnecessarily disturbing the Hertfordshire town, where many people of different faiths have coexisted happily. However, Stephen Roston, chair of the Bushian District Synagogue, has said the letter of complaint is hurtful and anti-Semitic. Well, from nine this morning, I want your reaction to this. Do you mind if Jews tie a wire around Bushy? 08459 455 555. It's, I grant you, it's, it's a novel phone-in. Yeah. But we'll be discussing it from nine. I want your reaction. As the general election gets closer, we want to know what you really think. Sometimes it gets a bit boring, I think. But we kind of feel like nothing changes. The Parliament really needs a good shake-up. We're holding a number of debates across beds, hearts and bucks, focusing on the biggest issues. The national health, I think that's a big concern at the moment. Immigration, probably. I think education, more than anything. If you'd like to take part and have your say, you can register your interest right now. Email 3cr at bbc.co.uk or call 08459 455 555. I always do the vote because I think it's uh, my right to vote. Election 2015 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, Ken in Redbourne has emailed in on the subject of palliative care. Based on the experience of my father-in-law, I would say the palliative care needs of patients with dementia are entirely ignored simply because they are unable to tell anyone that they are suffering. Uh, 08459 I know Catherine is chomping at the text bit. We'll come to the texts in a bit. Let's let's do this. Let's speak to Anthony first, and then uh, and then we'll come to the texts. Eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. Who knows? You might get your name read out on radio. Now, a programme on BBC Two this evening reveals the tactics used by so-called Islamic State to lure young British women to Syria. More than 60 young British women have travelled to the country, lured by a combination of slick marketing, social media and religious fervour. Britain's Jihadi Brides is the name of the programme and it's had access to the friends and family of some of the girls. Well, Professor Anthony Gleese is Professor and Director of the Centre for Security and Intelligence at the University of Buckingham. Morning, Anthony. Good morning. How do they do it? How do they get those girls? to go, do you know what, I'm going to give up my nice house and I'm going to travel to Syria and I don't know what I'm going to expect, but um, boy, oh boy, I'm going to go. Well, the question's very good. It's actually very hard to answer and I've seen some clips from what uh, promises to be a fascinating programme on on the BBC uh, made by a colleague, I don't know her, from London, Dr Catherine Baker. And she looks at, at one aspect of this, really, which is the use of the social media, and particularly Twitter, where people, she says, are sending messages designed to lure uh, young English girls over to, in this case, Syria, but could be any part of Syria or Iraq controlled by the Islamic State. And it's a very, it's a, it's a very intriguing story that's told. Whether it's the complete story, though, I have to say that I, I, I would doubt. Um, so you're suggesting that it's more than just, you know, Twitter and Facebook and online, that, what, that, that there, is a, there is a person that gets involved physically with them? I, m- my own feeling is that, it, well, you know, we have to 
sort of separate the various groups out, out from each other. This is talking about women by uh, research done by women on, on women. Uh, the women fall into different categories. There are those who are over the age of 18, over the age of consent, and they go off to be what they call brides. Then there are people under the age of consent, like the three girls from Bethnal Green Academy in East London recently, two of them 15, one of them 16. And the way these people are enticed, I would say brainwashed, to go off and to regard themselves as jihadi brides. The very name of the BBC programme is in a sense misleading because many of these young girls are not jihadi brides, they're sex slaves. Let's call it what it actually is. And the, the idea that a 15-year-old girl would go off to a strange country, and a lot of these tweets show they miss the ordinary things of everyday British life, they would go off and, and live this life as sex slaves on the basis of things that are being tweeted at them yeah. sounds not totally plausible to me. I guess there's somebody there somewhere coaxing them physically. Auntie, well, I wanted to ask you, but those girls that you mentioned, um, and um, we had their parents and their family uh, in front of the select committee and and speaking to Keith Vaz and saying, oh, it's terrible, it's the police's fault, it's it's the government's fault, all of this. And then it turns out that one of the dads um, had had been at rallies. Now, I've only seen a picture, and and surely we've all been at a meeting uh, burning a flag and shouting, haven't we? I mean, what can, what can we what, what can we draw from that? Well, of course, I've got to be very careful about what I say about any particular yeah. instance. But on the whole, I would say even before we knew about this family connection with Islamist extremism, I myself was saying things to people like what I've said to you that I don't think fifteen-year-old girls. You know, I had a fifteen-year-old daughter myself once. I don't think they just go off without somebody in authority within the family, giving them some guidance, giving them a push. Now, it could be a political push. In this case, I think it it, it is possible that uh, a member of the family says, you know, uh, the Islamic State really represents the two true values of Islam. You must do your, 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 your duty and go and have further babies who can turn into Islamic State soldiers. All of that uh, it seems to me to stack up more than people going off to the other side of the world, it, effectively to the third world, on the basis of tweets. I wouldn't d- downplay the importance of the social media. I think mm. it is very important. But somewhere there is a human voice brainwashing, coaxing. And if you go after that human voice, I think you do a lot to stop people going. And to make it very, very clear, as this program does, that those people who do go off there are joining a a group of sadistic, brutal murderers. This has nothing to do with the ideals of Islam. This has to do with a group of marauding, beheading sadists. And no young British girl, Muslim or otherwise, should ever want to be part of a group of people like that. Anthony, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Professor Anthony Gleese. Uh, the programme is on BBC Two tonight, Britain's Jihadi Brides. I don't know what time it's on. You'll have to have a look in the TV Times, innit? Oh, no. Whoa. Hey. Whoa, dudes. Gosh, time doing? flew then. Whoa, wow. guys. Calm, calm down. down. Calm down. Calm, calm down. down. 
Um, Catherine, you were champing at the bit with Texas. There's some terrible drunken stories, and there's one about a bed and falling asleep in a shop. Let's do do the bed one, and then we'll do the boozy ones after half past eight, so you've got time to send the kids off to... The offie. Uh, I was telling you earlier on that when Jonathan Vernon-Smith buys a bed, he likes to test it out, and he will have a nap in the shop if he can. Yeah. Good on Jonathan, says Caroline of Bedford. When I was looking to buy a mattress, the only one that felt comfy was a memory foam one that cost over 800... Memory foam? Well, she's written foam. She's... Well, maybe it is. Cost over £800. I refused to spend that amount of money, only to found that I woke with a bad back after my first night's sleep. I'm just reading them out. Well, you know. So I told the manager I would be back the next day for a sleep. I went in, set my alarm on my phone for one hour and went to sleep. Woke up refreshed, bought the mattress. So she went in for a sleep for an hour? Yeah. No, I don't think you. I don't think that's appropriate. I couldn't relax enough. I can't really relax on planes and in cars and stuff. I used to be able to do a brilliant trick on an aeroplane where the takeoff, if I was really tired, and I'd always be tired before a flight, I'd make sure I could make myself, I could make the takeoff knock me out. Oh. The change in pressure. I used to be able to do it. Can't do it now. Can't do it now. Oh. I, I took Valium as well. That may have. I think it might have, have been something that. To yeah. Do with it. Yes. Yeah. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the A1M southbound, that's looking very busy between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. In Amersham, the Gore Hill is looking very slow southbound between the A413 and London Road. And it's also really busy around the Black Cat roundabout on the A1 southbound from the St Neots Junction. Having a look at the speed sensors in Stevenage and the A602 Broadhallway is looking very busy in both directions between the football ground and the A1M. And on the trains, the Metropolitan Line still has severe delays, but uh, there's no reports of any major problems apart from Greater Greater Anglia trains, they still have hour-long delays through Bishop Stortford. On the at Luton Airport, there could be some problems to flights to and from France because of industrial action by air traffic controllers there. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sammy, thank you very much indeed. Last half hour of the show, we'll have more from Dealey. If you want to take part, now is an excellent time to call 08459 555555 or you can text... 81333, start your text 3CR. Maybe we'll speak to you after the news with Simon Oxley. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.30, the headlines. Labour is pledging to abolish the non-domicile rule, which allows some wealthy individuals to limit the tax paid on earnings outside the UK. Party leader Ed Miliband will say the rule makes Britain an offshore tax haven. Train services in East Hertfordshire are being delayed after a person was hit by a train between Bishop Stortford and Stansted Mount Fitchett. And researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. The charity Marie Curie commissioned the report. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Two goals in the opening five minutes from striker Will Grigg gave MK Dons a 2-0 win over Scunthorpe at Stadium MK. The win closes the gap to second-place Preston to five points, whilst Carl Robinson's side are themselves five points clear of fourth-place Swindon, who lost at Bristol City. The manager was delighted with Grigg's growing goals tally. 19 goals and probably about 15 miles covered. Um... Incredible. I, I just think he's a tremendous example for any young fan. We're a, we're a club with a very young fan base. And uh, I think if, you, if you're looking to, to, to become, well, not just football, but anything in life, a work ethic becomes should be part of your DNA. And, and he has that in abundance. And he showed everyone once again today that he, he works his socks off. 
In the Premier League, a hat-trick from Christian Benteke gave Aston Villa a three-all draw to to fellow strugglers QPR. Tonight, Liverpool travel to Blackburn for their FA Cup quarter-final replay. The winners will face Aston Villa in the Wembley semi-final. Watford have sold out their ticket allocation for their matches at Nottingham Forest and Brighton later this month, while the final championship game of the season at home to Sheffield Wednesday is close to selling out. Luton have cancelled the contract of defender Paul Connolly by mutual consent. Connolly signed last summer but has only made six appearances and Wickham boss Gareth Ainsworth has been shortlisted for the League Two Manager of the Month award for March. It's the final day of practice for Rory McIlroy and company ahead of tomorrow's US Masters Golf at Augusta. McIlroy is aiming to complete a grand slam of major titles already achieved of course by the returning Tiger Woods. I worked hard. People would never understand how, how much work I put into it to come back and do this again. It was sun up to sun down. Whenever I had time, if the kids were asleep, I'd still be doing it. When they were in school, I'd still be doing it. It was a lot of work. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next full bulletin is at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC yeah, Three Tiger. Counties Radio. We know how hard it was for you, Tiger. Hey? We know how hard it was for Tiger to, to be juggling balls and, and um, sinking holes and um, playing with his wood. Yeah, and his nine iron. It was hard for Tiger, wasn't it, getting his wood out and um, juggling Off balls. Off the back windscreen. Yeah, and um, uh, it was hard for Tiger playing around. Of golf. Yeah, he's playing around. Yeah, so I said he was playing around. It was hard for Tiger when he was playing around. He had all those balls. He, got, he, had, he was playing with his wood. He was playing around with his wood. It was, it was, it was hard for Tiger when he was playing around with his wood. See what's happening now. She's joining in. Yeah. Should I turn her microphone I, I off? Would. Okay. It was hard for Tiger when he was playing around with his wood. Okay. Stop. We get it. I'm talking about golf, mate. What's your problem? You're trying I to sense a golf. You're the man. You're the suit. You've changed. You've changed, man. You're not the woman I used to know. You're not the woman who used to um, just wear bra and pants and be sick out of a window and feed the pigeons. It's not the girl I used to know. You didn't know that girl. I know, but I pictured that girl. <laughs> You're not the girl I used to know who, um... Oh, I can't tell that story on the air. That was private. Um, uh, 08459 555. You're still champing at the bit for Texas, but Chris is in Milton Keynes. And Chris, Chris trumps Texas. That's the rumour going around, Chris. Is it true? It is. Uh, that was the chair. What have you got for us? Morning, Ian. How are you well? Um, yeah, Aww. my experience with drinking wasn't too great, to be honest. Go on, let's be having you. Okay, right, this is probably eight or nine years ago now. Yeah. Um, I've been living out in New Zealand for a year, came back, and um, went out with all my friends down on the south coast, went into a bar, uh, had about six beers in an hour. Oh, yeah, tough guy, yeah. Yeah, felt, felt fine. Of course that's you do. You, you were sat down, were you? Yes. Yeah. Time, yeah. Uh, and then it was time to leave and move on to the next bar, <laughs> or so I thought. Um, so, yeah, walking towards the front door, and uh, as someone opens the front door, I feel the fresh oxygen hit my face. Yes. And at that point, I fell flat on my face. <laughs> Chris! So, uh, at this point, luckily I have uh, two great friends with me who decided to carry me home one and a half miles hey. up to the hotel. Wow. Um, of course, stopping at the kebab shop. Um, <laughs> so... Aren't our friends so kind to us when we are drunk? Aren't oh, they yes. kind? I know, but it gets better than that. Not only did they drop me off outside the, uh, the kebab shop while they went in and got their kebab, they then continued to carry me home until they could find a quiet spot. They then laid me on the pavement oh, um, while they sat on the wall eating their kebab and then my friend gave me a kick to the uh, 
the chest every minute or so just to make sure I was still breathing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was ill oh. for about three days after that, and I've never drunk lager really since. It really? Is that, it had that prof- such a profound effect on you? I, I think the worst thing was, I remember every last bit of it. Oh. I was 100% conscious, but oh, I couldn't mate. control my body. You couldn't... Oh, dearie me, blimey. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't drink much anymore. Chris, thank you very much indeed. Our friends are so cruel to us when we are drunk, aren't they? We used to play human bookaroo on my mate Ben. Oh, yeah. Because he was one of these that could fall asleep anywhere and did in the middle of parties. Yeah. So we used to stack things on him um, and we managed quite a number of items. We once played hangman and noughts and crosses all over my friend's body. Oh, for a second, I wonder where that was going. (laughs) Marker pen. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. You're drinking rules. Uh, what the hell? We can do drunk stories. It's half term. We can do drunk stories. It's but educational. It puts kids. Do we don't condone it? I've had a drink for ten and a half years, so I don't. I don't condone it. But tired. I, um, but this is partly why I like hearing other people's drunk stories. It reminds you why it's not fun. It reminds me why I don't drink. Imagine I've not had a hangover for ten and a half years. <gasps> oh. Man. It is a silly thing to do, really, oh, isn't it? I mean, yeah. and it's expensive. Told you how much I paid the other day in London. £16 for two drinks. Yeah. £16 for two drinks that tasted a bit like, I mean, I don't know because I'd never tried it, toilet duck. Fair play. It was Angel's Wee Wee you were drinking, though. Hopefully. Uh, Texas, Catherine. Let's, let's be having you. And some of these are awful, so oh. brace yourselves. Fun times. I'll, I'll ease you in with Barry of Bedford. <laughs> Morning, Barry. Hi, I love Ian. the name Barry. Sangria. I got really ill, never again. Okay, I think we all know about that story. Scott has tweeted, sorry, has Kath got any videos of her playing human buckaroo? (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness all that happened in the days before (laughs) camera phones, because there would be a lot of footage there. There would be a lot of footage. <laughs> I'm so glad that yeah, that camera phones didn't exist when I used to booze. Imagine that and Facebook wasn't a thing. Oh God, I would well I wouldn't be working here. I, w- I wouldn't have a job. No one would employ no. me. No. The 90s were a very boozy time. Oh, it was horrible. Horrible. Linda, all right, this is a really awful one. So if you don't want to hear about someone, I mean, it contains nudity oh. and uh, bodily functions. Oh, gosh, that's my weekends. Yes, go on. Some time ago, I went to a very posh Christmas party. Evening dressed on, I had a fantastic evening drinking ridiculous amounts of white wine. Oh, they'll get you. It all went downhill. When I eventually got to home... you. I did the straight to the bathroom, balanced my head in my hands whilst trying to balance my elbows on my knees while sitting on the toilet classic. Yes, oh, I know. Yeah. I fell off the loo head first, oh. threw up and lay in it. Oh. The evening dress I was wearing was strapless, so everything fell out. Hey, good morning, guys. You won't get this on BBC Norfolk. Unfortunately, my mother-in-law, who was babysitting at the time, discovered oh. me crying, topless and covered in sick. <laughs> that's that. Hey, by coincidence, that's the title of your autobiography, isn't it? Hi. Crying, topless and covered in sick, the Catherine Boyle story. Looking forward to reading that. Um, with the subtitle, Wine is not my friend. <laughs> Mortified. After a week-long hangover, I didn't touch white wine for about five years afterwards. Yeah. But Linda seems to have got back on that pony fairly recently. I never liked white wine. It used to just give me headaches. I like it really, really, really cold on a hot day. Oh, but no. otherwise, red wine. But red, red wine's not my friend either. Red wine. Oh, yeah. That'll do the trick. Mickey's in Hatfield. Morning, Mickey. Morning, mate. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right, fella. What you got for us? Right, so back when I lived at home with my mum, I come home one night after being completely trashed and um, my window is next to my bed. I'm laying down, the world's spinning. I think, I, I, I'm going I've got to chuck, I'm going to chuck. I sit up, I push my window open, I vomit. I think, oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, I feel this it's such a relief, order. isn't it? 
Oh, I felt brilliant. I felt cool. I thought, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's I, I, always cool I, after a vomit. I, I wake up getting beaten by my mother. In actual fact, I didn't open the window. Oh. I vomited. It oh. splattered straight back on me, oh. all over my bed, all oh. over my chest, all over the floor. Oh. <laughs> Mickey, thank you for... <laughs> did you have... Now, did your mum do the thing and make you have to clean it up? Mickey's gone. Mickey's Mickey's gone. The memory was too much for Mickey. Thank you, Mickey. What a an horrific so- story. Hope you hope you're enjoying. We'll get complaints about this. Uh, Glenn's on the line. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Ian. Glenn, you've never had a boozy experience, surely? I have, yes. Many, many. But on this this one was not, uh, around about 1985. Yeah. And uh, there used to be me and a couple of mates, and we used to go out, and whatever we were wearing. By the end of the night, it was always trashed. Yeah. That's, that's who needs like. clean clothes, Glenn? They're for squares. Hey, new shirt, doesn't matter. New shirt, rid. new shirt. So anyway, on, on this night, we left the pub, and I said to one of my mates, I said, quick, let's just hide from, from uh, a guy called Eddie. Yeah. I said, what he, and when he comes back, Eddie. we'll jump him. We'll jump him, we'll dead leg him and rip his more clothes. Yeah. Uh, this guy walks past, we jump him, and then we j- run back in the pub. Oh. And Eddie's still in the pool. Oh, you, you basically, you mugged somebody. And stripped him. Yeah, but he came back in with his glasses all crooked. And, oh. And he, <laughs> he still, to this day, he still doesn't know. I was thinking about going on Simon Mayo's uh, confession. Well, building the time day, machine and going back ten years. So, hang on, so did you know the fella that you mugged? Yes, yeah, he, he was in the pub as well. He oh, so, all right, to, OK. And, but you never said to him, oh, we're really sorry, we just beat the whatever out of you. We thought you were Eddie. He didn't even know. <laughs> so he thinks he got attacked. Yeah. Hey, nice mates. Nice mate. Thank you, Glenn. Glenn's got a dark side to him. He comes over as a nice fella. These are always the ones. Um, uh, Shipman, West, nice fellas. Well, actually, not West. But anyway, they're always the ones with the dark side. By the way, I'm not in any way comparing uh, Glenn to. Well, I am comparing him to Harold Shipman. But not, not like that. Not like that. Thank you, Catherine. Yes, I was getting in a little bit of a cul-de-sac there. Murderer's cul-de-sac. Good film, to, by the way. Do you want me to reverse your vehicle? Yeah, please do. Math beep, in Hanslope beep, says... Beep, 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 beep. It's a big cul-de-sac. Beep, 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 beep. Mind that child. I'm not Mr Whippy. Why has Mr Whippy always got mind that child? What you, makes you suspicious? What has he done in the past? Mind that child! No, <laughs> again, mind Mr. that anyway, apart from my gran. Yeah, what, 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 have you got, what have you done, Mr Whippy? I don't understand it. Anyway, I don't want to get involved in the ice cream wars. Nothing to do with me. As you were, fellas. As you were. Catherine. You know they used to do it without without uh, before they invented cones. You used to get like a a, va- a little tiny vase. A vase? And, no, yeah, you put a vase of ice cream. Yeah, and it, and it used to be passed around. It was like a communal one, and it used to be called a tuppenny lick. Oh, I do remember the tuppenny lick. That was your nickname at school, wasn't it? <laughs> Anyway, people got really iffy. Because you liked ice cream so much. (laughs) People started to get horrible diseases, so they stopped doing that. (laughs) They did do that. They invented a cone. (laughs) Who would have thought it would be so simple? (laughs) Because she liked ice cream a lot before you complain. I don't like ice cream at all, actually. Maffin Hanslope. I had a bad experience one Christmas Eve on Red Stripe Crucial Brew after a day drinking Cherry Coke when it first came out. Oh, oh do you remember that? yeah, it was horrible. Mm. Cherry Coke and Dr Pepper. No, thank you. Send them back to America. I also won't drink Sherry after witnessing Andy Bosworth returning a whole, <laughs> whole bottle of it slightly faster than the speed he consumed it. Oh, Andy. By the way, if you're telling stories about people drinking, you've got to give us their full names. <laughs> the, the, the Glenn story was good, but Eddie who? Andy Bosworth, I can picture it. 
You need to. It was. Oh, it was Andy Bosworth got legless on Sherry one well, night. Well, Ben Benaru was Ben Kerr. There we go. Simon. Now this is interesting, Simon. Queen Silver Jubilee party. 1977, glorious year. In Kevin Godley's marquee. Oh, 10cc! Champagne cocktails, slept in a puddle on a golf course. I was 16. Where have you you had a sleep when you're drunk? Because I used to... We moved um, to Farnham Common, uh, which is in Bucks. So, yeah, I'm local and vocal, so you can have that. Um, But all of my friends used to live in Slough. It's about three, four miles. I drive that road quite quite a lot now. And I used to walk from Slough to Farnham Common when I was um, K-Lide at the age of about 16, 17. It's a flipping long walk. What I would do... It was, and it would be like, then you couldn't get buses to to there, and I couldn't afford a cab. So (laughs) it's like about a two hour walk. So I would run bits of it. Like This is like one o'clock in the morning. I'd run bits of it until I got out of breath and then I'd walk. Then when I got my breath back, I'd run a bit so I'd get home quicker. That was my philosophy. But also, I'd stop and have little dozes on the way home. (laughs) I'd have a little doze, because you think, oh, the number of dozes I've had on the Slough Trading Estate, just because I thought, oh, I'm a little bit, let me just have a 10 minute doze. And I'd wake up covered in dew. Yes. Bus stops, I've had uh, dozes. Parks, I've had dozes. I had a doze, like, literally around the corner from my house. I was so tired, I thought, let me just have a little doze. And then, before I get to Forge Drive, and I'll have... Where have you had a sleep when you're drunk? Oh, wait, so four, you five, wake up nine, four, double, five, 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 yeah. Like the king of the fairies. <laughs> More ways than one. If you can combine... This is what we're going to do, go to travel. If in the last 15 minutes, you can combine having a doze when you're drunk and sleeping in a shop... Then you, you win a crown. 08459-455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's looking busy on the A1M southbound between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. And in Stevenage on Broad Hallway, that's looking very busy in both directions at Gunnels Wood Road on the approach to the A1M. In Beaconsfield, Amersham Road is partially blocked by an accident involving three vehicles at Ledborough Lane. It's causing delays from London Road. And in Watford on Watford Heath, there's roadworks. It's closed between Oxley Lane and Oxley Avenue, so expect long delays into Watford northbound. On the trains, Bailey Road to Anglia still have hour-long delays through Bishop Stortford because of an incident earlier on but tickets are being accepted on Great Northern services between King's Cross and the Cambridge services and at Luton Airport there are possible delays to France at flights to and from France or over France because of France France because of a strike by air traffic controllers it's France and do you use plastic and get cash from the money machine Hang on a minute. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Hang on a second. Sorry, sorry. Is she cheeking me? Yeah. On my show? She's also right. It's France. It's, fr- <laughs> it's, fr- it's France. Ke- Kelly? France. Thank you. What do they say in France? That's the answer France. to the question. We should maybe do that. Ah, OK. Possible delays to the fr- flights to and from France. Oh, for <laughs> France in my pants. What's she talking about? It doesn't make any sense. How'd you get France in your pants? I mean, Catherine might, but I mean, any normal person. Catherine probably has, haven't you? You went no. a lot. No. Spain? <laughs> she actually winked at me. <laughs> she winked at me. 
8.46, it's Wednesday. If, if any show's going to get me the sack, it's today's. 8.46, it's Wednesday the 8th of April. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Labour says everyone living permanently in Britain should pay tax on everything they earn, even if the money is earned overseas. Train services in East Hertfordshire are being delayed after a person was hit by a train between Bishop Stortford and Stansted Mount Fitchett. And researchers say the palliative care system in the UK needs a major overhaul to meet growing demand. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's not a bad start. Quite chilly for some, not quite as chilly as yesterday, but we have bright skies, blue sky and sunshine, and we're going to see plenty of sunny spells today. Bit more cloud around, so the temperature may not feel quite as warm, but still reasonable 16, 17 Celsius likely later this afternoon. Really nice end to the day with some evening sunshine. Clear skies, though, I mean it is going to be another chilly night, minimum down to 2 Celsius. A nice start tomorrow morning, bit chilly, but some good spells of sunshine once the mist and fog clears. Maximum temperature potentially up to 18 Celsius, and that's your forecast. Don't worry, ladies. Dealey's on the way. Sometimes in life, things don't always go to plan. It worked perfectly for two and a half, three years, till two days ago. He should refund me £1,900. Which is where we come in. We managed to get them to agree to come back in to the property on an agreed date. The JVS show takes on your consumer problems. But I've basically lost the whole lot in administration charges. And helps to get to the right solution. I've received a cheque back for £578. Jonathan, I can't thank you enough. I don't know how you do what you do, you and your team. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey, up, Dealey. Hey, good morning, boss. Where have you fallen asleep when you're drunk? Um, on a train once. I ended up, um, where did I end up? <laughs> it was a, a long way from Hamel, put it that way. Yeah, you probably still had, still had fun there. Yeah, still had lots of fun, yeah, you know, waking up on the train, how am I going to get back? Oh, the excitement, oh, the next one's not running for two hours, hanging out with the locals there, wherever I was. <laughs> Doing a coming back. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it was good times. Yeah, yeah great times. Mm. Have we got any more Texas, Catherine? Yeah, loads. Okay, let's have a few more Texas and we'll, we'll speak let's about Let's just jeans. say, we're not glorifying drunkenness. Most of these are hideous stories and oh. people telling them are laughing They're because losers. it's so horrible. Most the, the, everyone's a loser. Mark in Bedford used to go out with a girl from Derby. Mark's a loser, and so is the girl. No, it's the girl mostly. She passed out in Pizza Hut toilets. I mean, who gets drunk in Pizza Hut? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Oh, well, I used to do a television program called Rise, a breakfast show that I loved, and nobody watched it. The rap party. I mean, it was it was it was coming close to the dark days. But um, with the rap party, everyone's having a good time. And then suddenly I wake up in the toilet. I'm on the floor. No, first of all, I wake up on the balcony with wet trousers. Oh, no. I fell asleep on the bags of ice. OK. And that's fine. I go back to the party. Then suddenly I'm awake. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm in the toilet. And there's nobody in the building. Everyone's gone. <laughs> I could have been dead for all they knew. I found them. The party continued. And then it got even worse. Wow. Anyway, go on. Can't go back to those days? Oh, Let's go man. back to Pizza Hut and the girl from Derby. Maybe once. She's in the toilet. She's very drunk. Yes. Marking Bedford resumes. She woke up after everyone had gone home and it was all locked up. Had to be let out by setting the alarm off to get the manager back in. <laughs> Mark. She sounds like a keeper. I would have helped myself to olives. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you, though? You're locked in a pizza restaurant. What are you going to do? Eat as many olives as you can. 
to survive. Pizza Hut, though, they've got a delicious salad bar. Oh, yeah, bah, 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 if you don't like olives or salads, then what? Then you're out, mate. Then you, you, ring, the, you ring the alarm. Mm. Uh, we've also been talking about jeans today, Justin. I bought a pair yesterday. Yes. The uh, gentleman was rather rude to me. What do you do for a living, sir? I work in radio. Oh, that's why you dress like that. <laughs> I'm, and he actually said, I mean, uh... I mean, uh, uh... That's what that woman did after she said, what can I get you fellas, yeah. to me and you? I mean, uh, she did. She did say that. In, uh, it was Costa, wasn't it? Be fair, you know, uh, the beard's coming along nicely. So I bought jeans. I said, oh, I'm a dad, I want dad jeans, but I don't want to go too Tony Blair. Um, and I, in the end, I got some 501s. Classic. Should have gone for the skinnies. No, And mate. you know that. Come on, I tried skinny the jeans skinnies have changed on. my life. I tried the skinnies on for a laugh. And I should have taken a photo. They felt comfortable, very supportive, like support stockings, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. But um, they, I mean, they look ridiculous. I want you to go back there, and I want you to do it again, and I want you to take a picture. All right, I will, yeah. I will, I will, I will try on some skinnies and take well, a picture. Boss, when are we going shopping? I mean, the offer's been there for a year or so now, but you yeah. keep saying you're busy. What's take, going on? Take the hint. Why aren't you taking him up on it? Yeah, uh, come on, why not? Anyway, so um, and also, girls, the fashion at the moment, Justin, I don't mm. get it. These beautiful, beautiful girls with their black jeans. All right, a lot of them, 85% of them are munters. But there's a, a five, 80% of munters, 85% of munters, 10% of mingers, 5% are all right. Yeah. But they've got ripped, ripped knees. And I just think, I lived through that in the 80s. Jason Donovan, Jason Donovan got booted out of uh, Harrods for having ripped jeans. Have you learned nothing? Fashion's moved on years ago. You couldn't get into a nightclub wearing trainers now, of course. They are the in thing. They're, they're de rigueur. Yeah, I'm wearing my skinny jeans. Is that the jeans. name of the mate? Is how you pronounce it? Oh, no, it's Nike. Nike. Yeah. Nike. I'm wearing my skinny jeans this morning. I discovered them about a year ago. Got about five pairs. They've well and truly changed my life and my swag. Changed a lot of people's uh, yeah. lives and, and sexuality once they saw you in them as well, Just. OK, mate. Chill out. You've taken... Um, this to the streets. Yeah, I have. Now, this package uh, contains... Package? Some... Oh, come on, mate. <laughs> come on, saying. mate. Stop it. We know what the package <laughs> contains. What about the report? Uh, this report contains some very awkward moments, some very frank moments, some very near-to-the-mark comments, and an American fashionista randomly walking the streets of Bedfordshire this morning. Take a listen to this. Taking it to the streets with J-Dog. Hey, man, you're listening to the Ian Lee Breakfast Show. Hashtag swag. Do you like men with skinny jeans? Not really. Do you not like my look? Not really. Madam, we're talking about men who wear skinny jeans this morning. Oh, your face has changed. You don't like that vibe, do you? No, I don't like skinny jeans. They They don't look manly, I don't think. They look a bit girly. You haven't got them on, have you? Look down. Yes, you have. Men in skinny jeans, madam. Is it no, the tighter, the better? Don't like them. Don't like them. You can see everything, and sometimes they haven't got much to show. Oh, um, what about mine? Mm, yeah, well, you've got enough to show. Mick, how often do you wear skinny jeans? I don't wear skinny jeans. I wear these. I bought these in Vegas, these. What year? Oh. 1962. Madam, good morning. Check Hi. you out. How are you? All right, sunglasses, flasher mac, white handbag. It's all going on here, isn't it? Yes, I hope so. Okay, well, where are you from? California. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. That tan as well. Okay, we're talking about skinny jeans today. Let's get the American perspective. Men who wear skinny jeans, do you love them or do you hate them? Um, if they have a nice body, then I love them. But if they don't and they put skinny jeans on and it doesn't look real cool. Have you ever said to a man before, and you Americans, you don't hold back. No. Have you ever said to a man before, what do you think you're doing, mate? 
change your genes now. Yeah, definitely. I'm a HR director, so I always let employees even know how they dress, just because I think it's important how they look. It's kind of a good conversation because it breaks the ice, and it's like, oh, well, what about my shoes? What about this? And it it just brings them out personality-wise. Saying to somebody, you look a state. You think that breaks the ice? <laughs> you don't. You don't put it that way. Definitely. <laughs> you you obviously let them know because look at you. You look good. Look, you got Pumas on, nice tennis shoes. Yeah. Your your scarf's a little bit raggedy, but hey, yeah, your, okay, your coat's all good. <laughs> so yeah, so no, good. if if it looks right on the guy, if yeah. it looks right, yeah. no problem. If they say your, your body shape doesn't work, forget it. Mm. Don't try and be something you're not. No, you're right. That's right. Definitely. I think you've got to be your own person. You've got to love yourself. If you love yourself, you can wear whatever you want to wear. Wow, she was um, uh, enthusiastic. I mean, she's saying if you love yourself, you can wear whatever you want to wear. So, mm. I mean, I'm, you know, boss, I'm saying you, you can wear skinny jeans. Can I, can I make an amendment to that? If you love yourself, you can wear what you want to wear, and I will judge you for it. She also said this. Hey, man, you're listening to the Ian Lee Breakfast Show. Hashtag swag. Beautiful. You like that, didn't you? Justin, say hello to Andy. Hello, Andy. Hello, Justin. How, how are you, Andy? I'm all right. Excellent. What have you got for us this morning, Andy? You sound a bit cheese off. No, no. Uh, tales of a drunken state, OK? Right, OK. What happened to you? You drunk and now, Andy? <laughs> no, Justin will appreciate this one. OK. Um, when I was 18, um, it was at Christmas time, so I was going to a party, so I went into the pub with a few friends, and I got absolutely legless, and I went to the party, and apparently, although I don't know this, but I was told that I went into the party and sat in the sandwiches. And then I came home. It was only about half past ten at night. I had my new sweater on for Christmas and I was absolutely sick all over it. And then I, I went and locked myself in the loo for about an hour. And then I was due to play football the next day. So when I woke up, I felt terrible. So I went to the ground and I played and I broke my leg. Right, so I came home, I still didn't realise I broke my leg, I got in the bath, it swelled up tremendously, and uh, my, my dad refused to take me to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question for you, Andy. You, so yeah. you say that you um, you fell asleep in the sandwiches. Um, yeah. What flavour were they? They weren't smoked salmon <laughs> by any chance, were they? <laughs> I don't know, I... Thank you, Andy. Great memories. <laughs> Could you work that into a musical memory, maybe, just for your I think show? So, I think so, yeah. When was the, what was the song on the jukebox when you fell asleep and oh. smoked salmon sandwiches? Yeah. Call me now. Was it this? <laughs> Justin, excellent stuff today. We'll speak to you tomorrow. And by that, I mean I won't be talking to you in the office. All right? Any more texts, Catherine? Loads, but really... Uh... A lot of How can we just say we're not we're not in any way condoning drunkenness? I haven't had a drink for ten and a half years. I I recommend that as the way forward, guys. Although on my you know on my last days, I'm gonna go mash up. Seriously, I'm gonna drink it. I'm gonna swallow it. I'm gonna snort it. Seriously, the last few days of my life, I am gonna go no. mash up. No, you're not. Because I'm gonna drop it. Because I'm gonna inject it. I'm going to drink it, I'm going to snort it, I'm going to lick it. I'm with you on that. Yay! Yeah, well, the thing is, right, at your age and at my age, we'll manage about two hours and fall asleep. Beautiful! Go on, give us, give us a couple of texts. All right, here we go. From Jamie and Luton. Southern Morning, Comfort. Jamie. I was 16 to finish my GCSEs, I drank a bottle of Southern Comfort. Whoa! Oh, 
managed to get home, went to bed. I went to sleep on Thursday. I woke up on Saturday. Never again. It's going on the whiteboard for tomorrow. When have you lost a day or more? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You can start emailing us those if you want. Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Tomorrow's show is a when have you lost a period of time? That's what we'll call it. When have you lost a period of time? Uh, well, Kelly's about to lose her job. What are you doing? Minding my own business. What about you? Mmm, clever. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Beaconsfield, Amersham Road is partially blocked by a three-vehicle accident at Ledborough Lane, so it's affecting both directions, causing queues to the A413 and to the A40 London Road. On the A1 southbound, it's looking very slow, approaching the Black Hat roundabout from the St Neots Junction. And on the motorways, the M1 northbound is very busy around Junction 13 from Milton Keynes South. It's also slow still on the M25 anti-clockwise between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. On the trains, Valley of Greater Anglia still have hour-long delays through Bishop. Stortford, and on the London Underground, the Metropolitan Line has severe delays because of a signalling problem at Harrow on the Hill. Samantha Brough, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sammy, thank you. Excellent stuff. So tomorrow's show, when have you lost a day, a minute, an hour, a week? Can we find... Oh, and if you've, if you've been unconscious for like a month or something, man alive, what was that like? Justin, brilliant stuff today. Kelly, thank you very much. Catherine, we'll have words. Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Till tomorrow at six from us. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday.